Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hang on, hang on. I'm checking my combine sources here. Hang, hang, hang on. Hang on. You get confirmed. And now we start out like we do every day. Big sales. We're truth. Justice. And the big sales way resides. The only show. Where you get the truth and not spin juice. I love this guy. He's such a great guy. You see, I don't like anybody. I like people. I'm never in love with a coach, GM. I like him unless I know you. Okay? Combines are no longer for the players. It's more of a convention for management to make deals when it comes to free agency here in a couple weeks. Um, make no mistake about it. Deals are being cut right now. Howie's dealing with other teams and the availability potentially of Hassan Reddick. A.J. Brown, <laughs> or as I like to call T.O. Brown. Were things are said by people. Oh, by the way, this is a note for my friend, Mike Lombardi. Mike, when you make a comment that you think Antonio Pierce is going to fail, be prepared to be called a racist. That's just a little advice from Big Sills. You see, today, when you have a comment like that or a take like that, it somehow falls over there where you're called a racist if you have a strong opinion that you think Antonio Pierce. You know why Michael Lombardi thinks he's not going to succeed? Because he's not qualified for the job. Antonio Pierce, just because he played pro ball, is not qualified for that job either. The same way Raheem Morris was not qualified for the Buccaneer job, and now he's qualified for the Atlanta Falcons job. Antonio Pierce is not qualified for the Las Vegas Raiders job. He's not. You gave him the job because why? The players wanted it? Great. It's already there for failure. It's already there for failure. Absolutely. I'm going to start it out. Oh, man. Do we have a ton to hit on here today? We 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 do, man. Oh my God, Howie! I went back and watched that fireside chat that they had yesterday. Who was asking questions? Who were the people asking questions there? I thought it was like 
a college classroom and you were being taught communications 101. How you feeling, Howie? <laughs> hey, what's your opinion on Shane Steichen? Who cares about any of that? You think anybody at the Combines that was there talking to Howie Roseman and Nick Siri Liar, anybody cared about the players that they were there potentially scouting? You think anybody really cared? How about the meat questions? What happened at the end of the year? Here's another one. Why are you still here? Here's another one. Nick, you have no responsibility. Why are you at the Combines? Why can't you just ask a normal question? Okay, why? Why can't anybody ask a normal question? But on to me. It's almost like half the people that are there are like on a payroll. Like some of the people that come in here every day to tell you guys my show sucks like LJ and some of these other guys, every day, four hours a day, they put my show sucks, no one watches everyone. It's like they're on a, I hope they're getting paid. I pray to God they're getting paid because if they're not, they have a mental illness about them. Every single day, they try to tell people not to watch the show and I suck, nobody cares. Uh, we're we're blowhards, whatever. We lie. We're this. You should never watch the show. The show's losing, which is not true. Get this. Less than 1% of the total viewing audience that is in a dumbass chat box watches the show on a daily basis. Do you understand that? Three people could be in the chat box. And 7,000 people could watch the show later on in the day. Less than 1%. So it doesn't matter. The chat box doesn't run the viewership on the show. They're lying. But hey, I hope they're being paid by some media outlet to come here and try to tell you guys not to watch the show. Because if they're not, they're truly weirdos. Because watch, for four hours, this will show up. And they'll keep telling you, don't watch the show. Show sucks. Where's tone? Where's this? What happened to this? I don't know. It's, it's kind of like the Philly media talking to Nick. It, it's funny. It's like some of these people are on paid or, or like, or like, like be paid to ask questions. It's ridiculous. As I said, I, I went back and watched that interview. Okay? Like, Callie Green, why do you come here every day to tell me I suck, not to watch the show, no one watches the show, and the show, did, did I nail it? Callie, did I nail it? Jermaine, same thing. Hey, why are you here four hours a day telling people that the show sucks, no one's watching, which isn't true? I had a two-minute clip that had more viewers on it than the entire interview of A.J. Owens. What are you talking about? Just, I, I don't get it. But watch. Watch for four hours. Have at it, guy. No, I, I appreciate you being here. Shows your dedication. It's wonderful. You know, 
As I get to the interview that I broke down with Philadelphia's greatest librarian, Howie Roseman, one of the first questions that was asked, so what's the status of Hassan Reddick? He bad, he da ba, he da ha da bo da ba. What's the best thing we can do for um, Hassan Reddick and what's your relationship with him? What, 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 what do you want to see? Had be the ba, the boo, the ba. You know what Howie said? Nothing. You know why? The Eagles aren't committal to him. Why? Why are the Eagles non-committal to Hassan Reddick? Can you answer that? Why is Howie and the Philadelphia Eagles, if this guy, if this guy is so valuable to the Eagles, why in the world are they not committal to him? How come they're not committed? How come they can't just come out and go, hey, man, we love the guy. Um, Ty says, you tell us, expert sales, because they're not. They don't want him back. It's very simple. And once again, Ty, try not to overcook it or overthink it like the, the Eagles traditionally do. You either like a player or you don't. It's very simple. You don't have to play some sort of stupid-ass game with him. He was, he was asked the question directly. What's the status of Hassan Reddick? What's the perfect scenario for Hassan Reddick? But he did I do having communications, and I really like the fact that we are having talks right now, and that's where we are. You didn't say anything, guy. Yes or no? Why can't you answer it? Because he doesn't want to. He's not committed to the player. The Eagles are not committed to Hassan Reddick. Howie Roseman could not answer the question directly, and it was actually one of the questions that was asked directly to him. If you're committed and you think that that football player is a guy that can help you win, you tell me you're doing this. I mean, why can't you answer a question honestly? Why? Makes sense to move off Reddick and draft edge rusher at 22. It totally does. It's cheaper, too. It's cheaper. Hassan Reddick? How many people believe Hassan Reddick is going to be on the Eagles after what you saw yesterday? I do not believe that Hassan Reddick will be on the football team in September. I do not believe he'll be there. They're taking offers right now. And it's being conversationed at the Combines in Indianapolis that there's teams out there right now that are interested in trading for him. They're going to trade him. He's not coming back. I mean, two people asked a direct question to him. He couldn't answer it. No, no, no. He didn't want to. I'm not committed to He's not committed. Because you know what? Here's the direct opposite of it. When he was asked the question about Devontae Smith, He's like, that's a player you never want 
to leave the building. He was committed, which leads me to believe they're going to give him an extension. Or they're going to pick up that fifth-year option May 2nd. Very simply done. Finally, some truth. Finally, he answered a question. Look, I'm not expecting Howie to go to the Combines and divulge their entire off-season plan on what they're going to do in free agency and what they're going to do in the draft. I never expected that. But a very simple question. What are you doing with Reddick? Eat it out of da da but ah, what's the perfect scenario? But da 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 da. What's your relationship now? Well, we they what you know, we got communications going on. Okay. Devontae Smith, it's a guy I don't want to leave the building. Pretty simple. Okay. Pretty simple. Negotiation tactics. Broad goes like this. That's a negotiation tactic. So this is a negotiation tactic. Here, watch this. Hey, man, why don't you go out and find another lover? You find a better one, let us know. (laughs) Hey, 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 Kim, if you find a husband or a guy that you like better, go ahead, honey. Let me know, and we'll see if we can work something out. You know, if you love a guy enough where you think he's going to be in the room where he's going to help your football team, do you let your wife walk out the building and go, hey, go ahead, man. Have at it. They're not committed. He couldn't be committed at the combines. They're not committed now. It leads me to believe he's not here in September. Nobody in their right mind thinks that they want him back. Except media people going, Hey, he's a great pass rusher, and he is. He's limited, though, in his skill set. He's limited. Flexing goes, I want Reddick to stay, but he's gone. Too much money and not as productive as you need him to be. Let me tell you, let me give you, Flexing, let me give you a great example of that. Here is one of the greatest examples of that when it comes to Saquon Barkley. How many people in their right mind would pay $10 million for Saquon Barkley? And by the way, I'll ask you this. Do you think Saquon Barkley's worth $10 million? Do you think he's lived up to being the second overall pick in the NFL draft? Not in your life. He didn't even give him 1,000 yards last year, albeit a shitty O-line. Quarterback play was pathetic. Nobody in their right mind is going to give Saquon Barkley. Barkley, 10, 10 million. He's been hurt all the time. He's never lived up to being the second pick in the draft. He's never lived up to it. They need to get better at lying. Hey, Howie, what's the deal with Reddick? He's a hell of a player. And hopefully, we're able to work something out. Q, thank you. Thank you, Q. Perfectly done. Absolutely. Personally, like I said, that press conference kind of told me some things. And I don't, by the way, that contradiction between Sirianni playing the best players and Howie playing younger players, it's not an issue. Why is that that not an issue? 
Howie works in the personnel department. Of course he wants his younger players. And he's a bookworm. Nick is a coach. Nick's going to play the best players because you know why? That's the message the players want to hear. It's not a contradiction. That's how those two departments think. One wants to play younger. Why? It's their picks and the money's cheaper. Coaches want to pay, play the best people available to help you win. It's not a big deal. People are saying get on the same page. They are on the same page. That's how every building in the NFL works. It's not that big a deal. Okay? It's not that big a deal. Kyle, I'm going to get to that. I heard something else. You know what we're going to do here? Big Sills report card. On the Eagle players 25 and younger, Howard Roseman said, we got a lot of young players and a lot of good young talent on this team. I was like, really? Well, let's put that to the test of the fans. I'll tell you what I'll do here. You and I will have a little exercise here on players 25 and under on the Eagles. He says you guys have a lot of young, good players. Want to find out? I got about 20 guys that's on that roster right now that you drafted that are 25 and under. Let's find out if Roseman's a liar. What do you say? And I'll let you do the grading. Instead of having people go, well, this guy I think has great potential is a word that sucks. Potential is a word that says you haven't done it. It's a fraudulent word. It's like an apology. An apology in theory is the worst thing on the planet because if you do it again, I should take my own advice here. They're hollow. They're the dumbest things, apologies. Don't do it again. I'm going to leave this up to you here. And I'm going to leave your grading up to you. Howie Roseman says that you have a lot of really good young players on this roster. Before we start the exercise, Dickerson, I believe, is 26. Okay? I believe Dickerson is 26, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. How old is Landon Dickerson? He's 25. He's 25. Hold on. I got to add him. Very good. Whoever wrote that. Twenty-five. Okay. How many people believe that you have a lot of good young talent on your team? That will come up with an overall grade. Let's start it off, shall we? 
Reed Blankenship. Two years. He's 24. Safety. What grade would you give him in his two years as a player on the Eagles? Howie says you got a lot of young, good players. A B, not happening. A D, a little low. Bob, flexing. I think, yep. Okay. C, he's an average ball player. Okay. Dream Green, I agree. I think he's a C player. Not bad. I don't think he's a starter. Let's go here. Sidney Brown, safety, 23, one year in. What do you think? What do you think? LJ brings a good point up. He's right. Young players. Isn't it funny, though? Some players just come on the scene and they splash. Devontae Smith needed five games and you knew he was a player? Are you telling me that Eagles have a whole bunch of players that you need years? Patrick Sertan jumped on the page at Denver. He only needed two games. Sidney Brown, C minus. Not a very good tackler. Not a very good cover guy. Heck of a hitter. Got a great engine. Um, C minus. D plus. C minus flexing. I'm kind of right there with you. I don't want to give the kid a D plus. Because I do think there's potential there. So C minus. With a, how about this? That's right, Griffin. That's right. See Griffin right there? Griffin, right. That's right, Griffin. That's how I see the player too. C minus, that can be a B player. And potentially, once he gets to B to A. Okay? You're looking at it right. That's right. Because what I don't want to get on here is undecided. So I would say C minus. Howie says you got a bunch of young, good players. Okay. James says that Sidney Brown is a B player. When he got turned around the entire time, couldn't get anyone on the ground, and people were targeting him. Talk about not knowing what you're talking about. So he's an A in waiting. I don't know. I know what he is today. I know what he is right now. Grant Katera, tied in, 25. Two years in. What grade would you give him? And we're doing this because Howie says that he has a lot of young, good players. Grant Katera. By the way, what round was he drafted in? 
Someone tell me. C minus, F, D, D plus. I think Grant Gutierrez is D plus. I think I don't think he's an F. I think he's a D plus, Grant Katerra. Hey, what um what round was he drafted in? Does anyone know? These are players twenty five and younger. Look at this guy right here. With his fortune teller book out, Sidney Brown will make leaps once he can slow the game down a bit. Okay, that sounds all great. We'll see. That sounds great, guy. I saw none of those. I saw none of those qualities last year. So you're just hoping. That's a hope thing. Fourth or fifth round, sixth round. Okay, that's not too bad. D plus. Oh, we're gonna get to a. Now we get to one of the big beat players. So so far we have C C minus D plus Howie's roster. I did this exercise on the air before. With the former general manager of the Dolphins. He called into the program and disagreed. What was his name? Ireland? What was that guy's name down in Miami when I did that? I caught him in a lie. Jeff Ireland, was it? Something like that? I forget what his name was. He was a horrible general manager for the Dolphins. He did the same thing Howie Roseman did. That was always overvaluing his younger players. And I was like, dude, that team is not that good like you think it is. It's not. And the... And that trade they made with the Steeler wide receiver, that Mike what Jeff Ireland, yeah, that 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 remember remember Mike Williams, the receiver with the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, he goes out of Miami and he was a turd. Jordan Davis, how he says you got a lot of young good players. What grade would you give him? Mike Wallace, that's it. You're you're right, Jermaine. Thank you. Jordan Davis's grade, B minus, not a bust, not a bust. C minus, a little low, a little low. Jordan Davis's grade so far, C plus, no way, no way. He's a C. He's not a C plus. He wasn't deserving even to be on the football field in the second half of this season. He was a complete flop in his first year. He's played eight games of good ball for you in 34 games that he's been available for. And you're telling me he's a C plus B player. Where in the world do you get that from? He's played eight good ball games. Sox goes, he's not no regular. Okay, Sox, he's had eight games in 34 regular season games. How can you say he's not just an average player in production when he's given you average numbers? 
What in the world are you talking about? You're going to give a guy who's only played eight games of decent ball for you a high grade? Dumb. Absolutely dumb. He's a C. You had people like Brian Baldinger on the air. And who's the guy, Xander, that does the preseason for the Eagles even, who's been on our program as a friend of mine, escapes me right now. He even said, dog, you got to be better than that. You got to be better. B plus. Some people think Jordan Davis has been so far. He's been average. He's been average. Holy cow. You're lying to yourselves. This is the problem that you have when you listen to other tools. Because you know what they fill your head with? Potential and hope. Here, I tell you who you are. And what you are. Not what you're hoping they'll be. This is who they are. See, now get this. Does Sidney Brown have a chance to change his narrative? Yes. I'm telling you who the player is today. It's up to the player to improve on his C minus. It totally is. You're going to give a passing grade, a good grade, a B plus to a fat body in Jordan Davis. That's part of the problem with the Eagles overvaluing people who are not as productive. Okay? Jordan Davis showed signs early in the year. But as I said, and as I predicted, he's who he is. He's a two-down DT. C. Howie Roseman yesterday with a strong statement. We have great young talent. So far, Reed Blankenship, C. Sidney Brown, C minus. Grant Katera, D plus. Jordan Davis, C. Nicobe Dean. I can't wait to hear this one. What grade do you give Nicobe Dean? Let me guess, B plus. What do you give Dean? We have great young players. Shit. Howie believes in him still. I've heard it at the press conferences. I've heard it at the press conferences. He's a fine young talent. We're doing, look at this exercise we're doing here. LJ wants to give him incomplete. Fuck that. He's been here going on his third year. F. You don't get graded on a bell curve in the NFL. You either win or you fail. That's it. There's no bell curve in the NFL. Incomplete. There ain't no incompletes. Who are you right now? Can't stay healthy? That's the player. Red shirt? This guy thinks it's the military where you're on a GI bill. F. 
Lurie needs to get his head out of his ass, move Howie to contracts and pro personnel, only hire someone who has proven to draft well. Let's let's take a look so far at five players that we've graded so far off the great comment that Howie wrote. You know what I'm doing here? I'm using Howie Roseman's words against himself right now to show you what a bullshit artist he is. Read Blankenship. I don't even think he drafted him, right? Think he found him? C. Brown, C minus. Katara, D plus. Davis, C. Nicobe Dean, F. Hey, man, this looks like my report card in high school. <laughs> Who's Noah Ellis? DT, he's 24. Who's Noah Ellis? <laughs> who's, who's two years he's been on the team. Who's Noah Ellis? He's a DT. Who's Noah Ellis? Please tell me he wasn't drafted. Tell me, tell, who's Noah Ellis? How, has, have I ever seen him play? Who's Noah Ellis? Okay. <laughs> who's Noah you know what? I'm going to go with LJ here. Um, how about I say unknown? Unknown. Not incomplete. Unknown. <laughs> unknown. Oh, here's a... Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. This is fun. This go, Get this. This isn't even opinion. The greatness of Kenny game plan game well, because they got to get him involved in the in the game plan. 24, three years on the team. What's Kenny Gamewell's great? How he says he's got a lot of great young players. I'm assuming since the guy's been on the team three years, this guy's a great, he's got to be a B plus. What is what is what is Kenny Gamewell? A C? He's a C player? I guess. I mean, if I, you know what? If I'm going to be kind, I guess. I, I guess. I think he's a dude. I don't really think much of him. But I guess, hey, look, well, you know what? I'm in a good mood today. I didn't get in trouble last night. So I'm 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 feeling good. So I'm gonna give him a C. So here's the greatness so far of Howie Roseman's great young talent, 25 and under. Blanket chip C. Sidney Brown, C minus. Grant Cater, D plus. Jordan Davis, C. Dakobe Dean, F. Noah Ellis, I don't know who he is. Unknown. Kenny Gainwell, C. Wow. These are so, I mean, seriously, this looks like my high school transcript. <laughs> Who's Teron Jackson? Three years on the team. He's 25. Who's this guy? 
Who's Teron Jackson? Have I seen him play? Who is this guy? He's what's it? He's a DE. Who who is he? Who who is this guy? Howie says he's got great young talent. Is this like a hidden secret guy here or something? Do you guys even know who he is? Okay. Unknown. (laughs) So we got two unknowns and an F with Dean. I'm trying to figure out what Howie's talking about here. Let's here we go. Here. Cam Jurgens, center guard. He's 24. Two years in. What grade would you give Cam Jurgens? A B. C plus, about a C plus ball player. I say C plus. I don't hate the kid. As a matter of fact, being a C plus player in the offensive line in today's NFL, being undersized like he is, that's a pretty good grade. That's not awful. Okay, that's not awful. So I'll go C plus. I'm not sure. He's certainly not the answer at right guard. He may be the answer in the replacement for Kelsey, but he's not the answer at right guard. C plus. I don't don't think that's an awful grade for a young old lineman. That's a good. And and by the way, they're playing him out of position. So I I don't, you know what? He's got a lot of potential to get to a higher grade because he's out of position. So I wouldn't go crazy on that grade. You get a C plus performance from a center playing guard and he's undersized. He's too small. That's right. But I thought he was effective enough. He did the job over there. He's okay at times. Okay? Remember something, what I'm doing here. Howie said he's got a lot of young talent on the team. And I'm going, okay, well, these are supposed to be the foundation of your football team moving forward. We got to play a lot of the younger guys. I'm paraphrasing that part of the questions and answering at the – Combines. I'm just doing this off of what Howie said yesterday. Okay. Eli Ricks. I can't wait to hear this. Rookie. Cornerback, 22. Eli Ricks. <laughs> to be determined. You don't know that he's a good player now? Okay. Probably needs a couple more years, right? Remember something. This is who the player is today. I want to show you how asinine that comment is that he made at the Combines. Okay? Eli Ricks. C-? minus.
I'll give you a little of that, that he played out of position. Okay? I'll give you a little of that. C minus. Again, two he is today. Hey, man, wait a minute here. Don't get all butthurt here, guys, yet. Not you guys. Howie is gauging off of these grades so far that he has a lot of young, good talent on his team. And a lot of good, young talent to any NFL general manager is 25 and under. Okay? 25 and under. Keely Ringo. <laughs> 21 years old, cornerback. Keely Ringo. Tell me, what grade would you give him? Keely Ringo, rookie, cornerback. A B minus. <laughs> so, hey, before you give a grade out for this kid, you were the worst pass defense in the league. So I'd be kind of careful before I give out these raving grades for anybody that played in the secondary this year for the Eagles. You might, okay? You might want to really pull that one back. By the way, before we could, let me see, C, C minus, D plus. I don't think he was horrible. I don't. If I'm going to be fair, was he a tick above a C? Probably. I'd probably go C plus. I'd probably do that. I'm all right with that. I think that's a heck of a grade for a guy who was in a shitty unit. Okay. I, I, I don't I don't have a problem with that. Hey, tell me if you had a problem with what Howie said that James Bradbury's part of the future of your team. <laughs> you could have electrocuted me right there on the spot when he said that. When asked about James Bradbury, he goes, he's very much part of our future. I was like, my head could have been sewn to the carpet. I couldn't have been more surprised when he said that. When he said that James Bradbury is part of the Eagle future, <laughs> I was I was like, this guy, his name should be Spin Doctor. That guy's part of your future? Your future's doomed. Bradbury slower than Brady right now. It's <laughs> pretty good one, Nick. Shit. So here's our grade so far for the great young talent that Howie Roseman identified at the Combines. Reed Blankenship, C. Sidney Brown, C minus. Grant Katerra, D plus. Jordan Davis, C. Dakobe Dean, F. Noah Ellis, unknown. Kenny Gainwell, C. Teron Jackson, unknown. Cal Jurgens, C plus. Eli Ricks, C minus. Keely Ringo, C plus. Wow. I mean, <laughs> yeah, would never want this guy to be my doctor if he got these grades. Holy shit. 
Devontae Smith, what grade would you give him? 25 and under. Devontae Smith, three years, 25 years old. A, A, A plus, A, A plus. Can't give him an A plus. He's not the number one target. However, he is an A, and he's a strong A. Um, totally strong A. No question about it. Strong A. By the way, I want to make this grading thing fair. Is Hertz 25? How old is Jalen Hurts? I'm going to make sure because I want to put him on this thing here. If he's 25 and under, is Jalen 25? How, how do you not include Ringo's jammer output on special teams? I don't give a shit about special teams. I need a corner. Great. He's a great special teams player. That's not why that's not why I drafted him. You think the Eagles drafted him because he's a great special teams guy? Jalen Hurts is 25. He belongs on this thing. We'll get to him. Devontae Smith has proved me wrong. Okay. Uh Jalen's 25 until August. It's okay. It's 25. Unlike the NFL Network, that dog to kid, um, as far as I'm concerned, he's 25 right now. That's the exercise we're doing. Nolan Smith, 23, rookie. What grade do you think he is? Nolan Smith. Unknown. Unknown. Anybody that says it. So you have an unknown on a first-round pick. Unknown. <laughs> Look at this. Actually, it looks good. Unknown, D plus, F, D minus, D. D plus. I'm more hanging with Fleck. I'm more hanging with Senor on that. Uh, and what was this one here? Niners, a soft D plus. Let's go D plus. Nolan Smith. So hang on here. Blankenship C, Brown C minus, Katara D plus, Jordan Davis C, Nicobe Dean F, Noah Ellis unknown, Kenny Gainwell C, Teron Jackson unknown, Cam Jurgen C plus. Eli Rick C minus, Keely Ringo C plus, Devontae Smith A, Nolan Smith D plus. Boy, Howie, man. A lot of young good players on your team. Hey, I guarantee you, if I did this same exercise with the Detroit Lions young guys under 24, how do you think that thing would look? So just to think that I'm this exercise is not working and it only looks like it's shitting on you. How do you think that exercise would look in Detroit? If I did that 
with the Detroit Lions and all the draft picks the last three years that they've hit on. Shit, most of their starters are rookies or three-year players. It's got to be one of the youngest teams in the league. I mean, you're probably looking at the best young team in the league, maybe the Packers too. Shit, maybe the Kansas City Chiefs. How's that pop? Wait a minute. The Chiefs, okay, if Chris Jones gets off that team, the, the only old guys you'll have on that team will be Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. And Mahomes is 28. And you're getting better? Tyler Steen, 23, rookie. What grade would you give him? I don't think he sucked. Yeah, Prince. I don't think he sucked. Oh, by the way, we have Tom Thayer with us today at 3.30 Eastern. Tom is part of the broadcast team for the Bears. And it looks like Atlanta's in the driver's seat to get Justin Fields. What are they going to do with the number one overall pick? Um, There's a lot of conversation going. There's a lot of people that are interested. And by the way, I'm going to ask Tom there about the decision to pass on Jalen Carter. So that's going to be with us at 3.30. We're still trying to effort my friend, Mike Gullick, and hopefully we're able to catch up with him today. Okay? Tyler Steen, I'm going to give him a C. I don't think he was great. I don't think he was awful. I think I think he's I think he was okay. Howie Roseman. You guys have a lot of great young players. Queasy Watkins. Wide receiver. He's 25. Four years on the Philadelphia Eagles. This guy here, Marshmallow, lasted longer than Jalen Rager. Shit. Okay. Queasy Watkins. D minus. <laughs> hey man, I I don't I don't think he's an I don't think he's an F. Okay. I I don't I don't I don't think he's an F. Okay. I don't. But um, what would you give him? Incomplete. Ain't no incompletes here, kid. No bell curves in the NFL. I'll tell you what I'm going to do with Queasy. Queasy gets a D minus. Milton Williams, 24, three years, DT. What grade would you give him? 
B minus, C plus, A. I think you guys are too low. I think he's a B plus. He's never started. Um, he's a very productive guy. He was, in my opinion, last year better than Jalen Carter. So I would make the point that I thought he was your second best, your third best defensive tackle last year. I think he's a B plus. I think he's a heck of a ball player, actually. Okay. You think that's fair for Milt Williams? B plus? I, I think he's a real good ball player. I I'd love him. Um, I think that this kid here has a chance and he won't be a Philadelphia Eagle once he gets on the open market. He was a better ball. Get this. They started Jordan Davis because Jordan Davis was a first rounder and Milton Williams was better last year than him. That just shows you how effed up that whole thing is with the Eagles. You play players because of where you were drafted. It's like a hierarchy and you get treated differently if you're drafted higher in that building, that's the problem they have. They keep players too long when they suck and they don't elevate players that deserve to be elevated. That's why he hated the fact that Nicholas Morrow, who he cut, or Zach Cunningham, those guys were getting better early in the year. What did he do? As soon as that guy, Dean, got better, they put him in the lineup, threw off the whole rotation again, and it never recovered. That's not the way you win games. It's just not the way to win games. Howie says you have some sort of like roster here where like, you know, you're good with young ball players. Jalen Carter, what grade would you give him? What grade would you give Jalen Carter? I'm going to write it down right now. B plus C. Carter B. B plus. B minus. B plus. Dream Green, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think he's got an A minus. I think he is a superstar talent. I think when you watch him play, his first step, how he gets his hands on people, ran into the rookie wall, that's okay. They asked him to play a ton of snaps. Um, he is a fantastic talent. He is a fantastic talent. I mean... It's he's going to be probably one of the greatest defensive tackles in the history of the Eagles if he doesn't do anything stupid. And if he keeps his nose right, he's a heck of a ball player. Um, I, I, just, I, I just think that he's a great young talent. And I think this year he has a chance to be an all-pro. So I would put him A-plus potential. Yes, Roland. This kid here has got the, the makings of being one of the – premier interior defensive tackles. There was a stretch at the beginning of the season in the first eight games. 
I could make the argument that he should have been the first team all pro DT. Um, his one-on-ones absolutely are fantastic. You know what also hurt him too? Green, you know what hurt him too? Is that when that asshole, Patricia, started putting those defensive tackles, both Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter, into two techniques, that's not who they are. They're a three and a one. They were getting great penetration early in the year. They were disrupting the guards and the center play all early season long. And then when they changed up that mentality, they thought they had linebacker play that could have helped their football team. It hurt them. When they went to two-gapping, two-gapping is this. You're basically using your two defensive tackles as fire hydrants, thinking that your linebackers are going to make all your plays. They didn't have the personnel to do that. They didn't have the personnel to do it. So at the end of the day here, I mean, they put it, there's no question they completely put them out of position to play what their strengths were last year. And I, by the way, would it shock me if Davis and uh, Carter played better this year? No, because they're not traditional two gappers. For sure, they were playing out of their gaps, but you're definitely right about Carter the first eight weeks. He was the best DT up until that point. Absolutely. When they made him into a two-gapper, I think it stunted his growth. I think Matt Patricia hurt him a lot in putting him in that position. I think this, hey, this guy's, this this guy has so much upside. I think he's going to be one of the premier defensive tackles. Landon Dickerson, 25, left OG. Okay. Left OG. What grade would you give him? By the way, we're taking Howie's comments here on the top players, 25 and under. A, A plus. A. MG, I'm going to make a point to you. Anything with the name Landon Dickerson in it, and you're talking grades, should never have anything like a B in it. He's a fantastic guard. He's going to be one of the premierly paid offensive guards next offseason. I think he's one of the top seven offensive guards in the league. Um, Gets snicked up a bit. I think he's done a fantastic job on the bull rush. He's made a great transition from center over to guard. He's a large man. He controls that left side of the offensive line. Just so good, man. Okay? Fantastic ball player. My opinion, here's another guy that could go down as one of your greatest offensive linemen ever to play in Philadelphia. Landon Dickerson's quite a ball player. And I got to tell you, what a ball player. I'm giving him an A. And here's the last one. Jalen Hurts. He's three years starting. He's 25 years old. He'll be 26 in August. It's okay. We're doing the exercise right now because how he said it yesterday. So we're asking 
players that are 25 and under on the Eagles because he said that they have a lot of great young players. What grade would you give Hertz? This is going to be an interesting grade. Yeah, hey, 41? Yeah, that, the, the, he went from center to left guard. Made a really great transition, Landon Dickerson. Okay. Jalen Hurts, what, what grade would you give him? Here, let's do it this way. Like you would do your own report card. His first year starting, what grade would you give him? A C. What grade would you give him last year? An A. What grade would you give him this year? And this will be the grade. Um, This year was probably a C plus. So a C, an A, and a C plus. Because the position, I'll give Jalen a B minus. And that might be too generous, but his 22 season was too off the chain. Okay. So here's your grades for Howie's young talent on his football team. You ready? Let's take a look at this. Reed Blankenship, C. Sidney Brown, C minus. Grant Kateras, D plus. Jordan Davis, C. Jacoby Dean, F. Noah Ellis, unknown. Kenneth Gainwell, C. Teron Jackson, unknown. Cam Jerkins, C plus. Eli Ricks, C minus. Keely Ringo, C plus. Devontae Smith, A. Nolan Smith, D plus. Steen, C. Queasy Watkins, D minus. Milton Williams, B plus. Jalen Carter, A minus. Landon Dickerson, A. Jalen Hurts, B minus. The way I count that up and the way I look at it, Howie Roseman's young talent on his team are average. A little above average, C plus. He thinks the young players on his team, as a collective group, there are players in here like Landon and Jalen Carter and Hertz and Devontae that are potential star players. But the majority of the guys that he was talking about as a unit, it's a tick above average. He's full of shit. He's full of shit. He's trying to tell you that his guys have drafted well over the last three years with young talent on the team. Then why are you constantly in free agency plugging all the holes that your shitty athlete, that your shitty scouting department fails? Why is he constantly doing that then? It makes no sense. This is Xander here. Not the biggest Hurts guy, but I have to go A for him. Only 25 MVP campaign. And led to a Super Bowl. Still a lot of room to grow. Okay, well, I took the last three years of his play. 
I mean, how, how long are we going to keep talking about 22? Eventually, you got to look at his career. And we're at the beginning of a career here. It's three years in. I get it. Uh, let's see. I get it. 18, 18 games ago or 19, 20 games ago. I get it. He was an MVP candidate, but that was 20 games ago. What are we talking about here? How about something recent? When you're a great quarterback, you constantly are showing why you're the guy. Okay? You're constantly showing. And by the way, if this guy was an A ball player, you don't go one and seven down the stretch. A quarterbacks don't go one and seven. Just saying, I mean, he, he was outplayed by Baker Mayfield. I mean, I want to see, I want, hey, can I see something new from him? Or are we going to still talk about 22? 22 was brilliant. But they don't want the 22, Jalen Hurts. You know, that's another thing, too, what, 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 um, what Xander just said. If, if he played like 22, and that's what we were going to see the next couple of years, I'd be like, you know what, man, maybe that grade would have been a little higher. That's not what they want. Because the 23 Jalen Hurts was completely different than the 22 Jalen Hurts. They were two different ball players. Actually, in his first three years, they've been three different ball players every year. So who is he? You guys keep telling me that Jalen Hurts is going to be okay this year. Based on what? 22? <laughs> One season? You really don't have a lot to say here on that, but one year. Well, he led the team a Super Bowl. If you're going to go by that metric, Colin Kaepernick led the 49ers to the Super Bowl and beat Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay in a playoff game where he threw the ball for 180 and ran the ball for 180. He was electric in that NFC title game on the road at Lambeau. And if the lights don't go out against Baltimore, he wins the Super Bowl. I mean, okay. I'll even make this comment. As good as Jalen Hurts played in that Super Bowl, Foles was better than his. Compared 2020, Gardner Minshew was a pro bowler. Don't tell, I, I know. Hey, look, I'm not going to shit. Hurts, I'm that, look, you make it to the pro bowl, who am I to talk? I've just been on a pro bowl ballot. That's it. That's my claim to fame is being on a pro bowl ballot. All right, I got to take a timeout. You know what we're going to do next? I got an idea. This is probably going to rattle your cage. I mean, I know there's a there's a bunch of guys in the city that have a love affair with AJ Owens. Love my guy. He's so productive. You don't need $25 million wideouts to win Super Bowls. They don't win Super Bowls for you. You can't name one in the last five years. They don't win Super Bowls. Paying big money wideouts that moan and bitch and cry. Don't help you win. 
They don't help you win Super Bowls. AJ, so productive. And? <laughs> so you tell me the numbers he's put up is worth $40 million you've paid already. $40 million. Remember something, too. Oh, that's good to hear. His cap hits $14 million. Eagles ate a $33 million cap pivot on Wentz, didn't they? How you doing? Cap went up too, correct? They ate the second biggest cap hit in league history. We Carson Wentz's hit. Then Matt Ryan's was next the following year at 38. Telling me teams aren't willing to take cap hits? Eagles took one. Did they not? Tom Thayer, part of the broadcast team for the Bears. They got the number one overall pick. What do they do? He'll be with us at the bottom of the hour. I have the plan for T.O. Brown, or as I like to call, A.J. Owens. Hit the like button. Keep it here, National Football Show. bubbly go for the story and the stories go for the win go to ocean casino resort book your trip at theoceanac.com Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. 
Book your trip at theoceanac.com. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. You think the Eagle job is the most pressurized job in the NFL? Get the most scrutiny? I don't think there's pressure in Dallas to be the head football coach of the Cowboys. I I don't. Jason Garrett and Mike McCarthy show you that there's not a lot of pressure to have that job. Jerry's not going to make decisions like that. Personally, I think it's more, I think there's more stress and there's more pressure in Philly than there is in Dallas. Do you think, right? I mean, this guy's went to three playoff games. Hey, to have conversation here, he's been to three playoff games. This guy's almost won 70% of his ball games, and people are talking about firing him. You don't think that that's a lot of scrutiny and a lot of eyeballs on your game? I mean, the Buffalo gig, I think Sean McDermott is on the hot seat. I do. I would, I would say, again, the Eagle job has to be one of the most pressurized jobs in all of pro ball. I would totally say that. All right. Coming out of the combines, Hassan Reddick is not moving off of the $26 million that he wants. There's teams out there that are willing to make a deal with the Eagles. $26 bucks is what his people want. And to yesterday, the Eagles were not committed to bringing him back. Howie was asked three times the question. We opened the program up with that. He, he, was, he was steadfast in not giving a committed answer. And you know what? To hit, remember something. He, you know, if you go back, I don't know, Xander, if you heard that one little bit, Howie went on to another question, but somebody asked him, who reached out first? You know what he said? His people. So Howie didn't go to Reddick and offer him an extension or a restructure. His people went to him. So his people started this. The Eagles didn't. They did not start this stuff with Reddick. Reddick's people, in a nice way, were using you, the fans, to try to team up on the team and the organization. I don't want to leave. I'm happy here. I went to Temple. I love the fans. All that shit. And he made you feel that the Eagles are playing hardball when, in fact, his team went to Philly first. They're not obligated in any way to start a restructure contract or a extension talk with him. He's got another year on his deal. Eagles were doing the right thing. The player thinks he's outlived his contract. I personally don't. If you guys were the number two ranked defense in the National Football League, I would say you're probably going to have to pay this guy. But since you're one of the worst, especially in pass coverage, I'm not paying that guy anything near $20 million. I have a problem paying him a tick above 15. There's going to be people paying more. He's not 
a good player. He's a great pass rusher. You have to have that conversation. Vic Fangio knows that. He's not a great player. You don't let great players walk out of your building twice with no compensation. You just don't. He wants $26 million? Go get it. Congratulations to you. I hope you get it, dude. That will not be in Philly. That will not. Dude, if, you know, I'd rather pay $20 million to Brian Burns than to Hassan Reddick because then I could replace Brandon Graham and have a run stopper and a 25-year-old defensive edge rusher for the next 10 years in my building. I'd rather do that than come up with some sort of Swiss Army knife way to use Hassan Reddick. I don't get it. I'm not paying him that. All right. Again, this is the kind of conversation that I want you guys to understand that a drama queen like A.J. Owens will take and somehow spin this thing or someone will spin this thing that I'm saying that um, they should go, that the Eagles are doing this. I'm asking you a question here. And supposedly, this is some of the stuff. You guys know who Chris Spielman is. He's part of the executive people with the Lions. I told you about Dan Morgan, Alonzo Highsmith. Can I tell you who the Philadelphia Eagles have had a great conversation with and are in love with? They're in love with Brian Thomas, LSU wide receiver. There's some, they've had an interview with him. They've interviewed him. He's a first round pick. Why would you have an interview with a wide receiver if you have no intention of drafting him? Brian Thomas is a superstar wideout with LSU. Is it out of the realm of possibility they draft him at 22? Have him on a rookie contract? And move off of AJ next year. Because you're going to have to start paying Devontae. Remember, money. Okay? Money. LJ, and I agree on one thing finally. He's right. If that kid... Brian Thomas is at 22. I'm taking him. I'm not taking the fourth best corner. He's right. He's right. You're not in a... See, people go, well, they need a corner there. That's not how you draft. Barb says, Barb, would you draft Kool-Aid or Brian Thomas at 22? Barb, let's see how smart you are. 
Who would you draft at 22? Brian Thomas or Kool-Aid McKinstry? Who would you draft there at 22? Who would you draft there? See, Barb, right. Me too. You're not wrong. I guess Thomas. That's right. That's how you don't miss in the draft. Okay? That's how you don't miss. That's why good teams like Kansas City and Brett Veach who are picking down at the bottom, go like this. Eh, You know, shit. I'll take this guy because he's the best dude available. There is only one guy in the draft, maybe the second pick, that have the leverage to go like this. I'm going to take whoever I want here, and I'm going to let the dice roll out, and we'll find out in three years whether the player is a good player. Best available, especially when you're in the 20s. Especially when you're in the 20s. New England, the old San Francisco teams, the Cowboy teams, your team with Andy and Joe Banner, picking down at the bottom of the draft. You were finding great players down there because it was best available. Best available, in my opinion, is the best way to play the odds in your favor of not going and signing a guy like a Jalen Rager. Do you understand when you draft a guy out of TCU, who's coaching him, who does he play against? Is there a heritage? Here, look at this. Drafting a wide receiver out of TCU versus drafting a wide receiver out of Alabama. Where are your odds going to be that you're not going to fail? In TCU or at Alabama or Ohio State or even Clemson, LSU. You think there's a great fail rate with wide receivers from LSU? I don't. Or Bama? You can't, you can't. Watch this. Yeah, but Sills, LaDainian Tomlinson came out of TCU. Great. LaDainian Tomlinson came out of TCU. I could name you five players in the last 50 years that have been good ball players out of that place. It's not a place that develops pro talent. Do you want to hear a team that produces pro talent? Pitt. Pitt produces pro talent. Curtis Martin, Darrell Rivas, Aaron Donald. I mean, Bill Fralick. Dan Marino. They, they, they have produced some of the best talent over the last 45 years of any program in the country. Hell, even Joe Flacco started his career there. Larry Fitzgerald, thank you. University of Pittsburgh is a factory for NFL talent. So you draft a kid out of Pitt, you're like, no. Oh. I think Pitt's done more for the pros than Penn State has. Tony Dorsett. Shady McCoy. All these guys are Pitt Panthers. 
That's a factory of talented ball players. I didn't know Joey. I thought Joey Porter was a Penn State kid. I thought he was a Penn State guy. By the way, Tom Thayer is going to join us at the bottom of the Irish part of the broadcast team for the Bears. Bears have the top pick in the NFL draft. What are you going to do with Justin Fields? And is it Caleb Williams? Boy, I'll tell you, why can't the Bears get the quarterback position right? They just can't. So, again, if Brian Thomas is down there, would you – how about this? Would you guys be shocked if Howie drafted a wide receiver at 22? Would you be shocked? If he drafted a wide out there. Because then you start the process. Remember something. A.J. Owens is not going to end his career in Philly. He's got one more year and he's out. They're not keeping him on that team. Especially if they don't make the playoffs. If they don't make the playoffs. Or they have an average season. You're going to bring A.J. Owens back? Are you? Would you bring him back? Then you can honestly say that A.J. Owens and his $60 million that you spent on him and the number one draft pick at the end of the day for the amount of money you spent wasn't worth it. It's got to result in a title. Or are we going to sit there and do what a lot of people – and some folks in our network do. By the way, I, I looked up the record. Is it true that you guys have won or have been to 17? Is it true that your playoff record since 2000 is 17 and 17? Is that what the playoff record is? It's 17 and 17? But you've been there 17 years. <laughs> yeah, rooting for mediocrity. Classic. Boy, Xander's right. Philly's changed. Since when, at the end of the day, is rooting for 500? A cool thing. <laughs> hey, we've been to the playoffs 17 years in a row. You're 17 and 17. So, you're 500. You've got one Super Bowl in the owner's 31 years. Is that a success or failure? Well, we're a success. <laughs> okay. 16 wins in 17 years. That's it, man. Good for you. I love it. You know, I, I, I want to start this interview off here with um, I had a chance to know Steve McMichael years ago when I, I played against Tom there when I was with the Buccaneers and they came in there in 87 and they used to go to this place Malika's all the time. You know, these guys here, man, used to drink their asses off and go out and beat the shit out of people the next day on that Bears team. There were so many great personalities on that ball team. The center was awesome. Tom was great. But Mongo, so 
I go to I go to Malikas because I knew the guy. There's Mongo. This guy's shit faced. Goes out, and gets two sacks the next day. He's his face. And before I, I got to bring, I'm going to bring Tom in a second here. His face would get red like an apple because he was out the night before. And maybe I'm talking too much here. So let me bring part of the broadcast team and part of that great 85 Bears team, Tom Therrien. Am I am I saying too much here, Tom? No, hey man, it was one of our favorite vacation spots. You know, we are luckily to be in the same division back then, and we knew that we got to go to Tampa every year. And uh, there was a couple hot spots down there that we definitely frequented. And uh, all we did is we prayed that it wouldn't be a hundred degrees uh, during game time, and uh, if it was, it took a toll on us. And I, I'll, I'll have to say the one on Dale Mabry, but I'll leave that alone, and I won't bring that name up. The one that's on Dale, but how's hey? Do you know how my? By the way, I thought it was awesome that Mongo got put into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I mean, he's absolutely a tremendous ball player, and you know when you looked at his stats, you were like, then you found out he was one of the top sack guys at DT. I get a lot of Hall of Fame voters on here, and that was one of the things that pushed him over. Did he just get overlooked because of some of the great ball players that were on that defense, Tom? That's why it's taken so long. I, I don't know, but it kind of disappoints me that it has been so long because you know Steve McMichael and his personality and what a dynamic speaker he would be up at that Hall of Fame podium to announce to the people that it may be his proudest moment in his football life. Um, but when you know you got Richard Dent in the Hall of Fame, you got Dan Hampton in the Hall of Fame, you got Singletary in the Hall of Fame, you got Jimbo Covert recently in the Hall of Fame, you had Walter Payton in the Hall of Fame years ago. Um you know, maybe he was overlooked, and I don't think it's a real sexy position, the defensive tackle position. And, you know, so what are we going to name Howie Long, Randy White, John Randall, a couple of the greats of the past that have been in the, that are in the Hall of Fame. But I do think Steve McMichael got overlooked, and it may be 20 years too late that he's getting inducted. However, He's doing it on, he's in being inducted on merit, on accomplishment, on w the type of person, player, and committed teammate he was. So I just hope that doesn't get overlooked on whomever gives his induction opportunity at the podium. Let's get into the Bears. I was talking, we always get Dave Wanstead on, and he works with part of the broadcast team and does a lot of stuff up in Chicago, as you know, Tom. Yeah. And I asked him the question, and he had a different answer, but I want to hear yours. Will Justin Fields be the starting quarterback for the Bears in September? Um, you know, I'm just guessing because I don't have any inside information, although I live and grew up in Chicago, been a Bears fan my whole life. Um, I don't think he will be the starting quarterback of the Bears come September, but I don't think it's just clear cut as good or not good. I think there's so much financial considerations of a quarterback second deal nowadays that it's just not an obvious, Dan. You can't say, oh, yeah, you know, Steve, uh, um, uh, Joe Montana just worked through his first contract. So what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to keep him and we're going to pay him along his second contract and we're not going to bring along Steve Young. It's now you, it, are, it's either, either or or. They don't keep Aaron Rodgers because they know Justin uh, or Jordan Love is waiting in the wings for his opportunity. And I think Justin Fields is an unbelievable uh, athlete. He's a great teammate. He's a great contributor to the Bears. Um, you know, just the, the atmosphere they have inside that building. 
However, when you're on the cusp of your second contract and maybe you have to commit $280 million to them guaranteed, you know, you all, you have to take that into consideration. And then when you look at it from the standpoint of the general manager, you're either going to sink or swim by the decision you make. If you go and you make the right decision and Caleb Williams is the next heir apparent to Patrick Mahomes, then you have a job for a lifetime in the NFL. If you pass up on the pick and he goes on to be the Patrick Mahomes, you're going to be fired because of it. And if you do, you go out there and you make that pick and, and he fails um, to live up to whatever is expected of him, you know, maybe that decides your fate as much. So there's so much that goes into this decision. And um, if you didn't have that second contract to take into consideration, for me, I would be a guy of, Taking the template of the Green Bay Packers, you keep Justin, you draft Caleb Williams, and you let him kind of figure it out within the next year or two. Tom, I'll say this to you. And you know what, man? I've got great respect for, you know, your era of ball when you played with the Bears and how the Bears operated when it came to drafting. And, you know, Jim was up there at the time. Uh, Tom Zach was the other quarterback that you guys had, and you won a ton of ball games with those two guys. But I want to give you a stat. In the last 32 years, the Green Bay Packers have had 97% of the snaps with three dudes, Favre, Rodgers, and now Jordan Love. Why can't the Bears get that position right? Because to me, if you got that position right, Tom, there's so many things that they do well at that position. And I looked, you haven't had an all-pro um, quarterback since Sid Luckman. I right. mean, it's pretty crazy to think an organization – with George Hallis's name on it, they can't get that position right. You know, it's it's amazing. So the draft came into the NFL in 1936, and the Bears' first draft pick they took was an offensive tackle, um, and then they went on to have some success. Then the next year when Sid Luckman came aboard, George Hallis had to finagle a deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers to even get him aboard. So now let's bring it up to the Jim McMahon era. So they go and they uh, draft Jim McMahon, number one, uh, first-round draft choice out of BYU, and he comes in to have the success that he has. And so then they go and they draft Jim Harbaugh, I think, in 87 or 88, uh, number one draft choice out of Michigan. So it's not like Jim Harbaugh sat behind Jim McMahon for a couple of years and kind of learned a little bit about life in the NFL. They traded Jim McMahon to San Diego. So now you got the you, – you're – you know, you're thrust into a position just because you have that first round uh, next to your name that you have to be an immediate success. And that's just not the case. You go back and you look at Steve Young. You know, Steve Young was not great in the USFL because I was playing in the USFL. He was a failure in Tampa. And then he went behind uh, Joe Montana and sat in the San Francisco system and then became the Hall of Famer he became. You know, Dan, no one lives through the template anymore of the Green Bay Packers. Everybody makes this first-round quarterback decision, and we have to insert him immediately because the the season ticket holders are clamoring for him. And uh, so I, I think the Bears are into a position where they're going to do it again. They've already announced that they're going to raise the ticket prices. Uh, they have a limited amount of home games because one of their home games is going to be played in London. Um, and now they're – you know, I think seven home games in Soldier Field this year. And um, so when you talk about the decision that they need to make at quarterback, uh, this is probably the year that they need to make the decision that is going to be a factor in their success for the next 10 years. 
Tom, I, I have McMahon on my X account or Twitter account, and he and I talk about it all the time. Going to a game at Soldier Field back in the 80s and 90s, I mean, the place was like – it was one of the tougher places to play in the National Football League, and those fans were just wonderful. How tough has it been on that fan base to watch the mediocrity that's gone on for the last 20 years? I mean, it, I mean and again, I'm, I'm coming from a place of respect because I haven't played against you guys and seeing the fans and what it's like at Soldier Field used to be an electric place, even though I hated the shitty AstroTurf. I still <laughs> love the building, Tom. You know, I mean, how's it been on the fan base there to go through all this? You know, Dan, listen, man, I'm a season ticket holder. I'm a Bears alumni. I grew up as a Bears fan my whole life because I grew up here. I've been a part of the Super Bowl team, but I've been broadcasting the game now, the games now for the last 27 years. Um, and there's never that um, – you never walk into the stadium saying, oh, man, this is the game we're going to win. This is where we get it started. And I thought, uh, you know, to me, the uh, one of the biggest disappointments in the last 25 years, it was opening game this past year when they got beat against the Green Bay Packers after Aaron Rodgers lead, leaves. They insert a new starting quarterback in Jordan Love, and the Bears have Justin Fields in the second year with Luke Getze as the offensive coordinator. Then the Bears go up they fail to live up to their measuring stick and they allow green Bay to beat him at home to me in all of my time, you know, I'm 60, 62 years old, been a bears fan my whole life. And that was one of the most disappointing losses that I've, you know, been around throughout my career. And that's one of the things until they start saying, all right, you guys, everybody's got to be determined to win the division, get into the playoffs and then start making a, a deep penetration of the playoffs. And still they have that, you know, the, the Bears fan base is going to be apprehensive and it's super unfortunate because when you talked about the era of us in the 80s, even the Erlacher, Lance Briggs, Charles Tillman crew <clears throat> during their time, you were going to go out there and you were going to compete against Brett Favre and you're going to compete against Aaron Rodgers and whomever they had at Detroit and Minnesota. But it hasn't been that way. And then to me is because I pay attention to the landscape of the NFL so much and I listen to things around the league, it's so disappointing and the lack of respect that the Bears have around the league and whatever personality happens to be talking about them. Um, and this year, because of they have the number one and the number ninth pick in the first round, most of the conversation has been about the Bears as much as it has been about Kansas City or you know, the development of what's going on in Detroit and, you know, San Francisco and such. I, I have to ask you about Vic Fangio. He's now the new defensive coordinator of the Eagles, and we cover the Eagles, and we're based in Philly. Um, in your opinion, um, what do you think he brings to a table, and what do you think he brings to a defense? I mean, obviously you were in um, Chicago when Buddy was there with Dick and – or with um, with Coach Ditka, and you know that kind of style, like especially in Philly, they love aggressive defensive football play. And I really don't think Vic Fangio, just to be honest with you, Tom, he's not really an aggressive guy. He's kind of like a control and contain kind of guy, and that's not something I think of Philadelphia's expecting to see Buddy Ryan's 46 defense. I think they're going to be sadly mistaken. Dan, listen, man. They fired Sean Desai mid-season. Sean Desai is a disciple of Vic Fangio. This is where he came from. 
he worked for years behind the scenes for Vic Fangio. And the reason he ever got an opportunity to become a coordinator in the NFL is because he ran the Vic Fangio system. He had a kind of a personality similar to Vic Fangio. So then they remove him and they put Matt Patricia in midway season. He was equally as much of a failure. And then they bring in Vic Fangio. The thing that surprised me, Dan, that if Jim Harbaugh would have got hired five or six days sooner at the Chargers, I was curious if Vic Fangio would have went with Jim Harbaugh because they have a relationship they built back in San Francisco. So to fire Sean Desai midseason because you didn't like what the defense was or wasn't doing, then to hire Vic Fangio back, to me, it was confusing. And I don't know if they're just trying to, you know, capture the respect factor that Vic Fangio kind of carries around with him in the league. I like Vic Fangio. And, you know, back from the days that he was coaching for the Philadelphia Stars and the USFL, I had a lot of respect for him through New Orleans and all of his other stops and when he was here in Chicago. But, you know, I think you're just placing the defensive coordinator with the defensive coordinator you fired that ran the Vic Fangio system. So basically it's the same guy. He's just an old, he's just a more experienced guy. Exactly. I mean, it's the exact same game plan, the exact same type of personality that's going to go stand in front of those team meet defensive team meetings. And when you're <clears throat> installing the defense, you're not going to change terminology. <clears throat> Excuse me. You're not going to change philosophical thinking you're going to be installing exactly what you had installed at the beginning of last year. So it's more of the same thing, you know, so when those players here, because I I tell people this all the time, Tom, when you get a new coordinator, you go somewhere as well as you know, you could go play for the bears and then you show up in Tampa or you go to Dallas. It's like learning French or Portuguese. It's the same stuff, but the terminology and maybe the technique a three technique, one technique, shade five, tilt. It's all different. And you're more not learning about the schematics of it. You're more learning about the terminology of it. So maybe that's why they went back to this is because, hey, this is what we do. He's more experienced. They just wanted a more experienced Sean Desai. God, you know, Dan, I couldn't agree with you more, especially in, in the, the terminology aspects of football, whether you're on offense and defense, because that's why I expected a lot more out of Justin Fields this year. It's the first time in his football career as an adult that he's been with the same system, the same terminology two years in a, a row with Luke Getze. So I was thinking this is going to be like a name that tune where Luke Getze could say four or five words of the play and Justin could finish it. And I think when you know and you understand the terminology at that level, you can go out there and work the system as to what's expected of you. And when you talk about uh, Vic Fangio using the terminology that he's used throughout the entirety of his career, it's going to sound really familiar to some of these players because it's what Sean Desai was using throughout his short time as a coordinator in, in Seattle or Philly. Two last questions for you here, Tom. uh, Jalen Johnson, do you believe the Bears? Because, again, they've been a little frugal on that side. But then again, they went out and spent over $100 million on linebackers. I mean, so, you know, I never really got that. You you let the best inside interior linebacker go to Baltimore. Then you turn around and give $100 million to two guys, and you split the pie up a little bit. Now they got a decision to be made here with Jalen Johnson. How do you think they go here? Do they tag him? 
No, I think they'll sign a contract, but they're not going to get a discount. You know, Montez Sweat, they gave him $105 million in his complete deal when they went and made the trade there. You know, the thing about Jalen Johnson is, to me, the misnomer about Jalen Johnson is that you go back and you look at the Bear roster from the time Jalen has got here. If you can tell me the cornerbacks that he's played across the field from, I'll give you a prize. And that's one of the things that Jalen has all these great numbers attached to him because they attack the other side of the field. And now when they give Jalen Johnson this premier deal of the defensive backfield, that he's going to have to become that defensive backfield leader. They got rid of Eddie Jackson. um, And so he's going to have to be the elder statesman of that group. And so when you get paid as a leader of your position, you have to go out there and perform at uh, all pro level. Pro Bowl is a bunch of crap. I don't want to hear Pro Bowl anymore. <laughs> I need I need you to perform at an all pro level, especially with Justin Jefferson, the re- Amon St. Brown they have in Detroit, the Jordan Love and the receivers they have up in Green Bay. Once you get that marquee deal, man, you're going to have a bullseye on your back and you're going to be expected to make marquee plays. Finally here, um, TJ Edwards in Philly had such a great start to his career, a UDFA, which I really respect on a kid. Kid comes in there and, man, I'll tell you, Tom, he was one of the most missed guys on that Eagle defense last year. Him and Gardner Johnson who went up to Detroit. I know he got hurt, but, boy, this guy's had over 500 tackles in four years. And, you know, in a city that the middle linebacker position is synonymous with Chicago, and that's one of the most – that's like playing center field for the Yankees, playing inside linebacker for the Bears with all those tremendous names that have been on that team. What was And what has been T.J. Edwards' impact, do you think, on that football team since he's joined it? Uh, you know, equal to, the G, equal to D.J. Moore. When they made the trade for D.J. Moore, we didn't know how he was going to fit in. He ended up fitting in and had a dynamic role in the offense this year. T.J. Edwards, he, he, he gets the equal praise that D.J. Moore does. You know, he's a local guy, so you got a little bit more pressure on your back when you're a local guy coming to play for the Bears and you talk about the middle linebacker position. T.J. Edwards and Tremaine Edmonds, they were able to forge kind of a relationship about the fourth game of the regular season, and you started to see them play and complement each other that you expected. Yeah, the first couple of games, it took them a little bit. Because you go through a passive training camp and then you go right into the regular season, guys are flying around and it's taking you time to take the proper pursuit angles, making sure everybody's in place. But TJ Edwards, I love the dude. And I'm glad that Ryan Poles went out and made an immediate deal for him. And um, he's lived up to the billing and he's surpassed it in some ways. He was first or second on the team in tackles for 50, 15 or 16 of the 17 games. So when you look at his performance and his production, the dude can play on, he could play for any team that I've ever played for. That's a great compliment. Lastly here, I got to slink this one in. Bears aren't leaving Soldier Field, are they, for some dog track? <laughs> you know, I it, it's kind of funny, you know, because six months ago, I would guarantee you that they were going to Arlington Heights and they were going to have a facility second to none in the NFL because they have those that type of acreage that they could put that together. 
But now when you look at the political landscape of Chicago and they bring a new mayor aboard that forges a relationship with Kevin Warren, the Bears' new presidents, I don't think anything's out of bounds. But if they do decide to go back downtown, that they build, they better build a landmark facility that can go out there and compete with all the other stadiums that have been built in the company. I've been, I've been in every new stadium built in the last 30 years, and they need to build a landmark facility on the lakefront that's going to complement the city, bring life back to the city, and put uh, people in the seats. Absolutely. Tom, thank you for all your time. Years of friendship. Yep. Know a lot of you guys, man. You guys are fantastic friends of mine. All these years, I'm glad Mongo got in. I can't wait for this coming Hall of Fame induction to see him go in. Thank you so much, brother. I appreciate it. Yeah, Danny boy. Thank you. You got it. Tom Thayer, part of the broadcast team for the Bears. Winner of a Super Bowl in 1985, said TJ Edwards has lived up to being and more on what the Bears' middle linebacker position is all about. Butkus, Erlacher, Singletary, George have played the position in Chicago of middle linebacker and how he wouldn't pay the money to keep him. Instead, he went out and put trash cans to replace him. T.J. Edwards is now a perennial leader in Chicago, a person they're going to build their defense around. And you let him walk right out of the building because you didn't want to pay him and you don't value the position. So you let... Unbelievable. And you know what you did? Think about this. They let Roquan Smith go to Baltimore and they made the right move with Edwards. Is he Roquan Smith, TJ Edwards? No. But he's filled the role that Chicago wanted. That's Moving off, and by the way, they, they, they paid $100 million for two guys. That's smart ball there. That's smart football. TJ Edwards has lived up to every single thing and more, according to Tom Thayer, who's been the broadcaster for the Bears for 27 years, owns a Super Bowl ring, said he has superseded anything we thought he would bring here. He could play on any team I've ever played on. Singletary, Rivera, Wilbur Marshall. Those were the backers he played with. And you let the guy walk out the building. Because you didn't even offer him a contract. That's a failure for Howie. You keep telling me this guy is going, you know, you know, you know how many times you guys are telling me about, you know what? And I find myself, you know what? This is where LJ, you could kick my ass, LJ, on this one here. You could kick my ass on this. Why, Sills, you keep telling us to get more draft picks and yet you turn around and say, this guy can't draft. What is it? Which is it? You're right. You're right. You're right. 
He cannot draft corners and linebackers and safeties. He cannot. He's not, or, or the organization is not capable of drafting that position. They are not capable. It's so frustrating. You know, hey, Dan, you're telling us to get draft picks. Okay, so we give him the draft picks and he shits the bat again. I mean, dude, right. It, it, and, and this goes to the owner. By having Howie Roseman and his broad stroke with too much power. Hey, Howie Roseman has too much power in the organization when it comes to the personnel on the team. He's not qualified. He's not qualified in all angles, in all areas. He's just not. He's not qualified in college scouting. I, You know what? Some of you guys go like this. Sills, look at the cap hits. You're right. He's brilliant. Look at the structures that he does with these deals. You're right. He's brilliant. Look at the corner picks. Look at the linebacker drafts. You know, we went down the list of his team. This is how we opened the show. And he kept telling us that he has a look at this shit. Look, you know how many great players you have out of how many? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. Out of 24 players that are on the roster that are 25 and younger, Hertz, Landon Dickerson, Jalen Carter, Milton Williams, Devontae Smith, out of five players out of 24, are worth the shit. The rest of them are, we'll see. So far, you got five players on this list out of 24 ball players. We did 24 ball players that are on your roster right now, 25 and under. He's there talking bullshit about we have a lot of young, good ball players on our team. I listened to the interview twice and I heard him say it. I said, I don't think you do. I don't think you do, but you think you do. See, look, look at relative here goes, Hey, that Toledo cornerback looks good. You're going to draft a guy out of Toledo. You've now have created a space of failure when you go to Toledo. How about a kid from the Southeastern conference? Scott, that makes it even more insane. Scott goes like this. TJ wasn't even undrafted. So he fell into the Eagles' hands. They developed him. He became a star. How he, hate, how he hated Edwards. You know why? Because he didn't. Think about what Howie did last year. Think about what he did. What do you guys look at the three shitty moves at linebacker he did? And you tell me if he's qualified. Xander, think about this one. Think about the three shitty moves he made at linebacker last year. Here, here they are. 
You cut your third. What's the name of the third round guy they cut? That they drafted in the third round. They cut that guy in the third round. In last offseason, right? They cut him. They didn't offer Edwards a contract. Devon Taylor. They cut Devon Taylor, who was a third-round pick. They don't offer Edwards' deal. And he starts N'Kobe Dean. All three bust moves. And he's forced to play Zach Cunningham and Nicholas Murrow, who he cut. And who the Bears cut for TJ. You're telling me that guy is qualified to run and build a defense? He didn't make one move that was correct at that position last year. And then he had the balls at the fireside chat at Novacare to tell you Zach Cunningham had a good season. And we believe in Dean. How do you believe this stuff? By the way, I'm not speaking of opinion here. I'm talking more what he did. This is not opinion. These were his moves at that linebacker room group. Edwards is revered in Chicago. Howie didn't think anything of him. They didn't offer him a nickel. They cut him. Or no, he walked out the building. He was a free agent. Didn't even offer him. You cut Taylor. And you start Dean having no experience whatsoever. No experience at starting at the Mike linebacker position. And then when you find out he's not the guy and he's always banged up and he's hurt like Big Sills told you, you'd never... He'll never play. I said he would never finish the season. He couldn't get through four games. Injuries happen. Twiz making excuses. Ain't no excuses in the NFL. You're either healthy or you're not. Injuries happen. He's been injured since he's been in Philly. He came to the Eagles injured. He came to the Eagles injured. Did he not? Oh, my goodness, Sills. Man, he's on the bus, Tills. Stop bothering the young man. Fuck that guy. I don't give a shit about N'Kobe Dean. I carry plays ball for you. Dude, this love affair you people have with these guys, stop it. What do, what do you have? What do you have some sort of like love affair with this guy? What do you want to do? Break bread with him? Right, take him out to dinner? Who gives a shit? Who cares? It's about building a football team and winning ball games. This kid, Nolan Smith, too, came to you injured. What's up with Howie and these Georgia guys drafting guys that are banged up and hurt? Nolan Smith? 
there's actually people that thought he was a top 10 pick. I was like this. Yeah, well, I ain't seeing that. I thought he was a good ball player at Georgia, but I didn't see a top 10 pick. Did I think he was a first rounder? Not really. Okay. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. That's right, Rico. Rico, actually, you know what the key is? Let me say something to you, Rico, about that. If you suck at your job, you need to be replaced. There's a reason I was on in Tampa for 15 years. You know why? It wasn't because of my great personality that I have with others. It was because I got ratings and revenue. And I was doing 10 shares and pulling in $200,000 a year or excuse me, $200,000 a month for iHeart slash Clear Channel at the time. It was because they loved me. Same with Angelo. Angelo wasn't on the air in Philly for 30 years because they loved him. He was on because he got the two R's that matter the most, ratings and revenue. People in broadcasting, that's all they care about. Don't give a shit who you are. That's how you keep your job. Some of the people, though, in our industry today, they keep their job because now they're pom-pom waivers. And that's how you keep your job. You know how you do it? You're safe. You're safe. People like safe. Not going anywhere being safe. Lou goes like this. Glad you're here, Paisan. You fit well with the city. Lou. I, I, I just, when I hear some of the young guys talking now, that are on the air now. You got a guy in the afternoon at WIP that wants to throw a victory parade because AJ Owens came on the show and they had their therapy session. You got others that are talking about the Eagles being the most successful team since 2000 because they've been to the playoffs 17 times and their record 17 and 17. And you're cheering for 500. I don't know. Some tell me that Jeffrey Lurie has been a great owner. I think he's been a really good owner, but one title in 31 years. Really? That's where you guys have sunk into. There's, there's five or six organizations that have been better than Philly since 2000. The, the giants, they got two titles. The giants since 2000 or 99 have been to three Super Bowls. Um, and two titles. The Rams have two Super Bowl wins. And, a Super Bowl appearance. Um, the Ravens have multiple wins in Super Bowls. I mean, you make it sound like the Eagles are getting patted on the back for doing your job. You have a 500 win percentage in the playoffs. And you want to be patted on the back for doing your gig? Hey, congratulations for being and doing your job. 
How pathetic are you that you root for that? Shit. You root for average. The young guys do. That's why when you hear Mike Bissonelli, myself, and Angelo and those guys, it's not good enough. You fired Andy Reid after 14 years, right? Because you said it was long enough. And you look at it, and I agree with you now. I do. I agree with you. And I see what you guys are saying here. You're right. You're right. Hey, Dan, what did you expect us to do? Follow your own comments on what you're saying, Dan, about Andy Reid. It was 14 years. He didn't deliver a Super Bowl. Hey, man, he's delivering in Kansas City. Awesome for him. Shitty for us. He didn't get it done here. What'd you want us to do? Give him another six? Was Andy Reid ever? How about this? Was Andy Reid ever going to win a Super Bowl in Philly? No. So you guys were right to fire him. You're, you know, you're right. So when some people bring that up, and I was bringing it up, and I, I won't lie. I won't lie. I brought it up because I thought it was kind of, but then again, that's kind of outsider stuff, right? 14 years. Come on, man. Dude. Guy was great. Great respect for Andy. Super guy. You, you, you didn't win a Super Bowl. You lost one, and you had five opportunities to win one. You failed. You, 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 you guys convinced me. You're right. Damn, practice what you're preaching. Okay? So you want me to tell you how great Andy Reid is? Andy Reid, Philadelphia, was a damn good coach. And he fits into the young people's mentality today as being a fine coach. But he was a fine coach in Philly. He's not the exceptional coach he is in Kansas City. Andy Reid is a product of Mahomes now. And Andy Reid's brilliance and his lessons he learned in failure. Andy learned more from failure in Philly than he did by the successes he had in Philly. You guys are right. You, you, you know, I'm wrong in this one. You've convinced me. Was Andy Reid a failure in Philly? Wow. Mm. Mm. Sales practice what you're preaching. Practice what you're preaching. You lecture us every day on not being average. Was Andy Reid a failure in Philly? By your standard, Sills, you just set the bar. Hey, I sound like I'm talking to myself in the third person here like a weirdo. I'm talking to many of you here, though. Man, I find it hard to say the words. He was a failure in Philly. And you guys were right to fire him. 14 years, Dan. 31 years, one Super Bowl. 500. I can't rip Jeffrey Lurie and the organization and Banner and Howie for their 500 record and numerous opportunities at Super Bowls and then not turn around and go, Reed sucked too. I, you know, maybe that's too strong a word, sucked.
Pete, I mean, Pete, do you think Andy was a failure? Was he a failure in Philly? No, Seals, the dude on the bus is your biggest pain in the ass. (laughs) He wasn't a failure in Philly. He put Philly on the map before his team was the bottom feeder because they were coming out of the um, Ray Rhodes. And Ray wasn't an awful coach, but it was out of the Brayman stuff, right? Was co- you were coming out of Norman Brayman's bullshit and such, right? Right? Broke our hearts over and over. No, he wasn't. McNabb's practice habits were crap. Well, Rico, that's the coach's responsibility to make sure that he implements hard coaching. Tom Brady's discipline was instilled by Tom Brady and Belichick. You know what they're saying out the combines? There's not a hard-ass mentality around um, the Patriots now that we've had in the past. What's the guy's name that just got the job? Jared Mayo? He'll fail. He'll fail. Mike Lombardi came out and said that Antonio Pierce is going to fail. In Las Vegas. I think Lantonio Pierce is not going to not work hard. Because he's a player and he knows. Jared Mayo was too. But you're saying this at the Combines. That there's not that asshole mentality in New England any longer. About everything is so hard working. When I heard that. Jared Mayo has no chance of success in New England. He has no, no chance. Jared Mayo will fail as a head coach in New England. I actually like Pierce too. Okay? I actually like him. I disagree with Mike Lombardi. I Because you know why? I, I think that he's a guy that I, I know him a little bit, and I, he'll come unhinged on people. I think he's got a little Tomlin in him. Jared Mayo saying people are – it wasn't him saying that. It was people around the organization going, there's not that asshole mentality of always wanting to be and do this and do that. And everything had to be structured this way. Everyone was up. Everyone's well, you won six Super Bowls doing that. You have a problem with hard work and discipline. Hey, the Eagles could have a whole summer class on that discipline and hard work. You think the Eagles are disciplined? And work hard. You think the Eagles are disciplined and work hard. Jesus. Matt. Man. I hope that's not the truth. James. No. Look at Eagle fans here. Nope. Rico. Bruce, some of these guys here don't like talking shit on their team. Not based off practice footage. I mean, practice is soft. Dude, D'Amico Ryans. Hey, you didn't get to where you were right there down in Houston by not kicking some ass down there. 
Niners looking like Andy Reid's Eagles. Great comment, Cosmo. Cosmo, that's a great comment. Okay? Great comment. Sales, we 10 and 1 transition. Sirianni was soft. He didn't, you, the problem became, brother, that he, he didn't have the answers for his team to get them out of problems. Forte says, train to failure. Do you know how he, when he, I was listening to that press conference, you know what he said? I think we've built a culture here where we've gone to Super Bowls in the last, what do he say, six years? seven years was it that we built the culture that we've been to two Super Bowls and that our culture's strong. And I was thinking to myself, well, those haven't been the comments coming out of the building from the players and from some of the coaches over the last month. It doesn't sound like that. And and, and quality reporters like D gun and people, Marcus Hayes, making comments about leadership and guys in the locker room bitching, lying about your personnel, that's a culture? Dude, you know what? You've won a lot. You've won a lot. You, how about this? I'll take it back. You've been a good organization on the field for a long time. You know, when, when you say something, like, Sills, name me since – here, let's do this. I don't think I've ever asked you this. Since 2000, what's been the best organization in the NFC? What are the top five organizations in the NFC in the last 24 years? In the NFC. Best organization in the NFC in the last 24 years. Boy, that's a hard one. You'd say the Packers with one Super Bowl? Uh, okay, if you win a suit, yeah. I'm not Packers. NFC. NFC, Pete. NFC. The Packers? Let's go Packers. Who's second? The Rams. Let's see. Super Bowl in St. Louis. Super Bowl win in Los Angeles. Beat by the Patriots. So they've been to three, one, two. Would we agree? The the Rams, too? Or would you put the Bucks there? Would you put two? Rams? Eagles or Bucks or Seattle? Who would you put to? Big Chris says Bucks. I've never asked this, man. I like this question. Best organization in the last quarter century. Okay. I'm going to put the Bucks because they've won multiple. Then I'm going to go 
Rams, then Eagles, and then Seahawks. I got Packers. You could go, you can put the Giants in there. Packers, Bucks, Rams, Eagles, Seahawks. Packers with a lot of wins, one Super Bowl. The Bucks with two Super Bowl wins. The Rams with three Super Bowl appearances and two wins. The Eagles with one, two, three appearances in a win with one. And Seahawks with two, three, and a win. Yeah, that sounds right. Packers, Bucks, Rams, Eagles, Seahawks. Giants beat Brady twice. All right, let me take a timeout. I love this topic. Let's take a timeout here. Hit the like button. Keep it here, National Football Show. bubbly go for the story and the stories go for the win go to ocean casino resort book your trip at theoceanac.com Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. E-A-G-L-E-S. 
Eagles. Big Sales National Football Show. Would you have a problem with Fletcher Cox going to the Steelers? Steelers have interest in them. Would you have a problem or would you just say, Fletch, if you can get $10 million um, in Pittsburgh, he's out of the, he's out of the conference. Okay. Kyle, Kyle, that is exactly correct. Kyle, that's the, what are you talking about, senor? He's a free agent. Not getting nothing for him. You have a, he's a free agent. What do you mean? What do you get him for him? Fletcher Cox is a free agent. I mean, you have to renegotiate a new contract with him. Another one-year deal. He, he's a free agent. So, I mean... Gonna sign him to another contract at 10 million. And what'd you draft? Then why did you draft a third rounder, a ninth pick, and a 13th pick? Right? What I'm saying? Look at the equity you spent at defensive tackle. Isn't it about time that all those guys stepped up? You started taking advantage of the rookie contracts. Milton Williams has one year left and then he's out. He's not going to stick around in Philly to play backup when he could start on 75% of the NFL teams in the league. I heard that too on the week that he wants to play next to Cam. And I'll tell you flat out, I talked to Carl Dunbar, my teammate or ex-teammate, and he's the D-line coach in Pittsburgh. They They would like him. They think awful high of him. Okay, and Fletcher Cox has a home in Pittsburgh. Tomlin loves him too. Okay, and again, it's no disrespect. Plus, he wouldn't have to really do much. You don't have to take your kids out of school. It's kind of a right move. Okay, right. Cox had one foot, put the door after Matt Patricia's fiasco. I think he got tired of it too. I do. I think he got absolutely tired of it. I like that exercise. Hey, and by the way, do I, I, hey, look. Don't talk like you are thrilled about your playoff appearance record if you're the Eagles. And don't, don't crow over not winning championships. Can I tell you something? One of the things that I always respected, I rooted against you as a kid because I was a Giants fan because of my uncle. I was a New York Giants fan because of my uncle, Andy Robustelli, playing with the Giants. He's in the ring of honor. He's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Did you think I was going to root for you? Okay. That's not happening. But do you know the one thing I used to hear all the time when we were talking about Philly fans? How pissed off they weren't, they were 
that they hadn't won a championship since 1960. And now you know what you have with the new media guys and the young media guys telling you how great you are for the last 24 years and you've won one title and you're happy with that. Look at the difference in mentality of how the young younger generation is versus the generation I grew up in and that many of you grew up in that you guys were pissed off that you only had one title. Kids today are happy about it. And talk about the playoff appearances and the record and your 500 record in the postseason. You see the difference in mentality? It's weak and unbecoming. It's embarrassing. They, they, they talk like the owner and the organization should be rewarded for doing their jobs. And giving flowers and rose petal parades for doing their gig. When many of you, when I was younger, you were so pissed off that Tommy McDonald and all them guys, the concrete and them dudes, all them dudes in the past were icons and gods because of that 1960 title ring. Now, you guys are cool with third place finishes, silver medals, and a 500 postseason record. Oh, but we've been there 17, 18 times. <laughs> That's just the difference with me and you. I look at that as doing your job. You look at that as a reward and want to be patted on the back for it. I think it's stupid. If that's how you look at your life, that you should be rewarded for doing your job, there lies the difference. There lies the difference. Somebody brings up the Niners. Dude, Niners? Niners had five Super Bowl wins. I might want to pump the brakes on that. In the Super Bowl era? How many teams have more Super Bowls than them? Steelers and who? Patriots? Steelers and Patriots? That's it. 49ers have five. I mean, one thing you can't shit on with the 49ers. Hey, over the last couple of years, it's been bumpy. But their history? You can't shit on their history. Think of five titles. Like a five Super Bowl championships. Five in 12 years. I mean, you, hey, you could say all you want about Kyle Shanahan and some of these other guys and them getting to the Super Bowl and going like this, them shitting the bed. I get it. You have five titles, though. Since 2000? I'm talking about who you are. So since 1960, you got two championships in over 60 some odd years. Are you happy with that? Philadelphia has two championships in 60 plus years in pro football. Two. Is that cool? Right. <laughs> Wait a minute, Forte. Forte's making fun of history. 
You guys revere your history since 2000. 500 record. Hey, we're great, man. <laughs> we're great. How many championships do you have? Three. They're behind me. Three. How many do you have? That That's not what he asked me, Callie. How many championships do I have? I said three. He didn't ask college or pro. Ass bag. I'm not breaking the rings out again because you know why? They stay behind glass. <laughs> Boom. Pop and weave, bitch. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, hey, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't quantify. You didn't quantify professional or college. You said, how many championship rings? Well, let's see. They're right there under the hurricane hat. Right there. <laughs> Justin Fields to the Steelers. Cosmo, I'm here in Atlanta. Let me ask you this question on Jason Kelsey. Oh, it's a good question. Hey, you want you guys want to hear something crazy? Hey, LJ, you guys will like this. I got to show you this. Okay, then we'll move on. I want to talk to you about Jason Kelsey. Now, some of you, I know some of you don't know high-end stuff. Only guys like Xander who shop at the big stores like Neiman Marcus and all them places where, you know, you can go buy yachts like Jeffrey Laurie, Big Joe, and all them guys. So you guys probably don't know the name Tiffany, right? You guys don't know that name, okay? I'm a blue-collar guy, so I really don't know. <laughs> yeah, you better not be broke. <laughs> hey, okay, hang on here. Hang on here. You guys know the name Tiffany? All right. LJ. Let me show you this. My wife pointed this out to me. Okay, let's see if I could tilt it up right. See that? It says Tiffany. By the way, this thing weighs a ton. You see this? Word, it says words Tiffany. Tiffany and company. You see it there? Tiffany and company. You see it? So the Bucks gave me this. Buccaneer alum. This thing's heavy. How much you think this thing's worth? I said, look at that, man. Somebody goes, someone goes, Sills, Tiffany, I go, is she a stripper down in Mons Venus? What would I know, Barb? You know? See, it says Tiffany right there. It is. There's a better look at it. Yeah, Xander would know. He's got a Cartier watch. Hold on for a minute. Look at that there, right? All right. How much do you think that thing cost? That thing is 
<laughs> pretty, it's heavy. Okay. How much you think that's worth? I got it appraised. That thing's worth 15,000 bucks. There you go, LJ. It's b- b- between 10 and $15,000. Somebody said 12. Somebody said 15. Another person said 11. <laughs> Every time I go somewhere, my aunt's always like, put your shit away. Put your shit away. I, I looked at my rings. My rings are appraised both at 10,000 bucks. My championship rings. So, I mean, <laughs> I got more money in merchandise than I got in the bank. <laughs> hey, that's why when I find all this shit, my wife goes like this. You see the other football that you were given by the Football Writers Association? I got this thing years ago. was an award that was given. Hey, Xander, was the Maxwell Awards. I got this other one at the Maxwell Awards years ago. Yeah, I don't believe it was. I think it was in New York. Now we put it on, which is really cool. We put it on. This thing's not quite as expensive. And this one is a Waterford. You guys know what Waterford is? It says Waterford Crystal on it. Yeah. It's got Waterford Crystal right there. This thing's heavy, too. It's a Waterford Crystal item. I was given this because I made All-American. Jerome's got one of these, or had. I don't know what it is. But it's I guess that they make, like, crystal glasses and shit like that. That thing's worth five grand. So between the two of them, I got there's $20,000 worth of glass that I that I have on my shelf. My wife goes, you got 20 grand worth of glass and another 20 grand worth of rings. It's crazy. Hey, <laughs> it's plastic. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's plastic, kid. <laughs> uh, yeah, hey. No, no, no. Yeah, so, hey, Crystal makes cool noises. <laughs> yeah, so's my wife. How you doing? How you doing, right? Hey, Sills, come. You never bash Josh Allen or Kyle Shanahan for never winning. They haven't done anything. Zero rings. I bash them, too. Josh, here, I'll give you one right now. Before I move on to Jason Kelsey here. Here, you want one? I'll give you one. Where is it? It's funny you should bring that. Here it is. Hey, Joe Burrow, 55 million bucks. Let's go, kid. You know what your new name is? Joe Burrow Nameth. Let's go, guy. You can't keep getting hurt like that. How am I supposed to build a freaking franchise around you? I just franchise tag T. Higgins. Hey, kid. I just gave you 55 million bucks. I know you've been to a Super Bowl. Congratulations to you. Jalen Hurts has been to a Super Bowl, and I shit on him every day. You're just going to start getting shit on too. Let's go, kid. Can't be in the tub. At least that kid's playing every week. It's a fair comment. That guy needs to play his ass off too. Come on, dog. 
Silver medals? If Jalen Hurts can get his ass kicked, Joe Burrow can get his ass kicked. You're damn right. This is an equal offender place here on the Big Sale Show, National Football Show. You get to, hey, this is an equal offending place. Okay? Chris leads me to Dak. I'm trying to get to Kelsey. Jason, you're right. Are you going to pay Dak Prescott? Would you rather pay Dak Prescott $60 million? Get this. Here's another delusional dude. And by the way, I say this with respect because, you know, I know him and we're friends. He's been on the program three times. Stephen Jones says that the Cowboys don't have a culture issue. Really? You don't have a culture issue then how have you won 36 games and you completely shit the bed in the postseason the last three years if there's not something going on? I mean, the Eagles are getting hammered and they won 11 games. And you backed into the NFC East title. They fell apart. They have more of an excuse. They fell apart. You backed in. You backed in. The Cowboys backed into the NFC East. The Eagles fell apart. Okay? It fell apart. Absolutely, they missed Amari Cooper. Absolutely. I want to get to Jason Kelsey here. How many people want Jason Kelsey? Oh, oh, wait. Let's do the Dak one. Let me finish up with the Cowboys. Are you going to pay Dak Prescott $60 million? That's what he wants. $60 million. Or would you go with Cooper Rush? $60 million. You want to pay him... A-plus money for a B student. Are you really going to do that? You get me? Hey, right now, I think Jalen Hurts, what do we give him? Jalen Hurts is a B student in his three-year starting. You're paying him A money. Now, to LJ's point, and he's dead on, the cap hits don't kill you. The only thing that kills you is that the owner's paying a lot of dough to a guy that's giving you B results. Xander thinks he's giving you A results because he's gotten to the Super Bowl. In 19 games, 20 games ago, sure. Okay. That's old news. Uh, Hey, you want to be gauged on what you did two years ago, or do you want to be gauged on what you did two minutes from now? It's up to you. You know, I was really great back in the 2010s. You should have seen it. We were doing this. We were doing that. <laughs> what are you doing now? Well, you know, not much. You know, I'm talking through, you know, styrofoam cups and, you know, a string. Are you going to pay Dak Prescott $60 million bucks for a guy who can't get out of the divisional rounds? Is that on him? Well, I don't know if it's on him. I know this. That ain't him. 
He's a B student, and you're going to pay him A money. And you know what the reasoning is? The same stupid shit reason that Howie gives you about trying to be smarter than he is in the first round by taking a guy he likes instead of taking what LJ says, the best guy available at 22. That's the right approach. Not let me take Jalen Rager. Jalen Rager was not the best player available. It's a dumbass approach. Well, I think I'm smarter than you. No, you're not. You're not a drafter. You can't draft wideouts. You got lucky on Devontae after 24 years. Don't act like you draft wideouts. You can't. Hey, get this. The biggest colossal draft pick. Here's the story of Howie Roseman's drafting life. The biggest mistake in the history of drafting wideouts was not taking Jefferson and getting Rager and having a really good pick in Devontae Smith. Are you comfortable with that guy making yearly picks for you? You either get the thing right or you get it dramatically wrong. How would you like to have a guy who's kind of in the middle and builds your team consistently? That's the guy I want. Not the guy that has these gigantic swings on a swing set. You go from drafting Jalen Rager to Devontae Smith. Is that the guy you want in charge of your draft? I don't think so. Jalen Rager was not a no-brainer. You see everybody in the draft rooms laughing at the Eagles? The Minnesota Vikings, they, they threw the papers up and started laughing. The Saints, you see Mickey Loomis's mouth? Go back and watch the game tape on the NFL Network. Mickey Loomis went... When they took Rager instead of Jefferson out of LSU. I mean, everybody on draft day that went, they went, they took him over the kid who just won a national title. Or, or did they win the title? Was that the Ogeron? Uh, was that the Ogeron title? Was that the, no, no, he, no. He wasn't on that. I don't think he was on that national title team. Was Jefferson on that national title team? He may have been. I I because I know Chase Jamar Chase was. Was he on that national was he on that national title team with Burrow? Is that is that when Odell Beckham was passing out the hundred dollar bills on the sidelines? He got booted off campus. Jefferson Chase and Burrow. Yeah, okay, that's what OBJ was uh paying those guys. It was in the sugar bowl, right? They were down in New Orleans. Hey, he was passing out $100 bills. That is fantastic. At least we used to have guys like that, but man, I'm not going to say too much here on them. Are you going to pay? Hey, are you? Yeah, because Ed Ogeron, Coach O. Hey, we're not going to know what we got to do. <laughs> got a man that we got to get out and chasing the hooies. <laughs> hey, you know why Coach O is not coaching, right? Because he chases the who's. How you doing, news? <laughs> Go Tigers. <laughs> hey, Xander, he's a who's chaser. You know he's got 36 million bucks in the bank now? That's what they paid him off. Can you imagine what he's doing down there now with that down in Miami? Hey, chasing the who's. <laughs> oh, man. Coach, they go like this. Hey, Coach O, you're coaching again. I got $40 million in the bank. What do you think I'm doing? Chasing the who's. <laughs> You're doing shit. Paying Dak Prescott 60 million bucks. I'm passing. LJ would pay him. 
I'd be like, nah, I'm out. I'm going to find me a Brock Purdy. And then I could go with the $100 million that he wants. LJ wants to pay Dak $100 million bucks. Well, I'm going to take that $100 million bucks, and I'm going to go find me four good players. The, the more, hey, the more money you pay Dak, the further away you get from a title. You understand that. The more you pay Dak, the further away you get from winning a championship. Let me give Dak 60 million. Never win one. He's not a, you're going to pay him A plus money and he's a B player. <laughs> hey, you see, I should have known better. LJ's playing the other way. Give him 150 over three. I have no problem, Big Sills. Let those guys keep doing that bullshit like the Giants are. The Eagles will never not be in contention to win the East. There's a fundamental part of me that says, I like your thinking. I like where you're going with this. Okay? We have to wait and see because Josh Harris has 87 million bucks. Okay? Hey, I can't wait for Josh Harris to roll into Lincoln Financial and all you guys cheering him because he owns the Sixers. You know, he's trying to get a stadium built down in the China district, right? You, know, you guys would give the Sixers, they'll move it out of Wells Fargo. How old is that Wells Fargo building? That can't be that old. Was it 25 years old? He needs a new building? And you guys are going to give it to him? And now he's the owner of the Washington Commanders? And he's going to come into your place and try to beat you and then turn around and ask you for a new building down in downtown Philly, right? Wow. <laughs> You got it. It is a new Philly because when I was younger, that ain't happening. <laughs> that ain't happening. Believe in the process. I can't believe you guys even give the Sixers a time of day now that this guy owns the commanders. Whew. Would I have an ass bag problem with that? Talk, hey, talking Sixers. The Sixers are the Cowboys of the NBA. First round, baby. <laughs> First round. So Josh Harris is going to, he is the owner of the Commanders, and he's trying to build an arena downtown Philly. He owns the team, and he raises ticket prices on you, and he owns the team that's in your division, not just your conference, and he's going to beat you. And you're okay with that. Solid. <laughs> okay. Sure is a different Philly. Prince, you're right. Let's go over there now. <laughs> Rico, it's... Hey. <laughs> okay. How many people want Jason Kelsey back? How many people want Kelsey back for the 2024 season? By the way, I think it's 50-50. Maybe leaning more towards he's not. Okay? Love Kelsey. Time to move on. To what? Cam Jurgens? So you're going to – hey, wait a minute. Matt, so you got a brand-new coordinator coming in, a quarterback who struggled in the blitz. 
right? Your run game wasn't very good, and the tush push goes away, and you want to put Cam Jurgens. You think Cam Jurgens is just going to seamlessly transition into being Jason Kelsey? The most important position you can make the argument on in offensive line in today's NFL is the center position. The most value position is the left tackle position. I'm going to make a comment to you here. I'd rather move on from Lane Johnson than Jason Kelsey. Jason Kelsey does more. Sets the blocking protection. He sets the blitz protection. Tush push. You don't really think Lane Johnson's more valuable than Jason Kelsey. Where would you think that? Every single great quarterback in today's NFL has an all-pro center. Linda Baum in Baltimore. Ragnow, Detroit. 49ers have one. And the guy who just won a Super Bowl has Creed Humphrey. You think there's any coincidence to that? You think there's any coincidence to that? All those guys are pro bowls. They're all pro bowlers. One of them's a Hall of Famer. Kelsey, you got him in the building, and he's the best at it. And you want him to now come back because he may. If Jason Kelsey was 27 years old instead of 36 or 37, whatever he is, he'd make 50 million, he'd make $25 million. 10 million is a bargain for one of the best linemen in the game today. He makes 10 million, drop in the bucket. Drop in the bucket. Time to move on to who? Cam Jurgens? If you move on to Cam Jurgens and Jason Kelsey is not your center, Jalen Hurts' ability and chances of having a good year have gone down dramatically. If Kelsey's not in there, and you got a new coordinator, and you don't have the running back situation figured out, you don't have the right guard situation figured out, you got new play callers in the building, you ain't making the playoffs. You ain't making the playoffs. That means almost the entire right side will be out. Center, guard. And I'm not going like this, like many of you will. Well, Cam will do a great job at center. Uh, until I see that, playing the center position is one of the most difficult positions in pro football to play. I want to see that. I'm not moving Dickerson over to center. Dickerson would not why – don't, why I, if I were Landon Dickerson, I'm not moving to center. I'm going to get – what the guy in Indianapolis is getting right now. And I'm going to make 20 plus million dollars as one of the top three paid offensive guards in pro football. Okay. Seals. I remember that block that Kelsey made in that Buffalo game. He was awesome. Dude, you know, what's awesome about this guy. And by the way, if he goes away the tush push goes away, that thing goes. Yeah. But, Chris, see, Chris, Chris, why wouldn't Landon Dickerson want to go and play center for you? Chris, why wouldn't he want to do that when now he's established himself over at the left guard position in the league? 
That's right, Wake. That's exactly correct. Chris, you're not going to get – it's like playing tight end in today's NFL. Chris, playing today's – playing tight end in today's NFL, they're not paid as wide receivers are, right? Centers aren't paid like guards and tackles. It's the lowest paid position when it comes to the tag of any position in the O-line. Why would I go play a lesser position when it comes to pay? Do you believe in Stoutland because at some point guys got to retire? I think that Jason Kelsey is going to be a guy who's going to be brought into the Philadelphia Eagles, and I think he's going to be his understudy. And I think Jason Kelsey um, is going to battle between being in broadcasting or being the heir apparent offensive line coach for the Philadelphia Eagles. I think those are the things that he's contemplating and debating and what he wants to do. Because a lot of players do that. Do you want to get into coaching or do you want to get into broadcasting? And he's going to have to make that because, again, after all these years, I had numerous opportunities to get into scouting, player personnel departments, into coaching. I could have coached numerous college football teams. I had a pro job waiting for me, and I turned them down. I was offered a job by the Raiders to work with Ken Herrick in the scouting department in Oakland. That's why the Raiders and I are friends to this day. I, I'm, Al Davis offered me a job. He goes, come on in. I'll, you know, we'll, we'll, and Al Davis and Ken Herrick and Ron Wolf were going to teach me personnel. And I would go in there with those guys a lot. And I sat in there with them. And, of course, I was with Jimmy for a couple times. All right. And he needs to leave him because it's, uh, yeah, yeah, probably so. You saw Kelsey's documentary. I feel bad for him because the toll of the game, the toll of the, a guy like that. Here, let me just put this to you, Jeff. Mike Webster was drinking um, bleach at the end of his life in a car, and he was living in a car because of his mood swings and he was drinking bleach to try to kill himself. And he eventually did. And yeah. And it came back that he took over 165,000 hits to the head playing center. And it's told that it took on him. He was a shell of a man. He lived in his car under a bridge his wife and his kid would go see him. I've talked to his kid, follows me on Facebook. We have great conversations. And, you know, he killed himself under a bridge by himself in a car because he didn't know who he was, where he was, and the toll the game took on him. He drank bleach. Friend of mine, Terry Long. You guys know, you guys remember the name Terry Long? Guys, remember Terry Long? We did powerlifting contests together. I played against him in college, too, and in the pros. You, you guys remember Terry Long? Name sound familiar? He's a Pittsburgh Steeler. He was 5'11". And, boy, I'll tell you, man, he was a bitch. He was a very good ball player, man. He was an absolutely great road grader. One of the shortest dudes I've ever seen. And we used to go around doing powerlifting contests together. And he also did the same thing. You know, he committed suicide because um, CTE had gotten a hold of him too. 
And um, yeah, so I understand what Jason Kelsey's talking about. Toll of the game's terrible, man. It takes its toll on you. But remember something with these players. The last thing to leave is your heart. You love it. You just love the game so much. Sills, what's your move if Kelsey retires? Got to put Jurgens over there. I'm with you. Cosmo, it's not going to be the same, though. And, and Cosmo, the reason you have to put Cam Jurgens over there, hey, you know, that's why. Here, 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 here's what's going to happen. If Kelsey tells them at the combines he's retiring, that means you're drafting an offensive lineman at 22. Okay? That means you're you're drafting a lineman at 22. Okay? That a hey, Cali, that's what it was. Is Annie they you're right. It wasn't bleach. You're right. It was antifreeze. Callie's right. It was antifreeze. Mm. Talk to Andre Waters. Here, I'll tell you this. Can I? Do you want to hear the Andre Waters story? I haven't told it to you because it's kind of, you know, I, I you you guys had a guy in your team. Um. You, oh, Tom, what was your name? He killed himself in the in Tampa. Played with me in Maryland, and we were teammates with the Bucks. Ugh. He transferred to Colgate after because we both transferred because we hated the D-line coach. But he I think he played in Philly. Tom McHale. This happened in a three-year period. You guys want to hear the Andre Waters? This shit's crazy. So this is why I know the CTE stuff. And you know why I, I don't mind telling you some of these stories? Because the NFL won't do anything about it. So when they talk about player safety, I want you guys to know they don't care. They don't care when it comes to player safety. Okay? Tom McHale had just bought a uh, chop house in Tampa. And I'd know him a long time. Like I said, we were 19 years old in Maryland before I transferred to Miami. He went to Colgate. And he's, he played a long time in the NFL, man. He was like a backup. He was a defensive lineman with me at Maryland, but then he turned into an offensive lineman. He played for the Eagles. And I saw him the day before, and his wife called me. Dan, you were with Tom yesterday. You go, yeah, I just talked to him like – Five hours ago, he goes, do you know where he is? I go, no. She goes, okay, well, we can't find him. I'm like, okay. And she's like, I think something's wrong. And I was like, okay, I'll go look for him. My wife's with me. We went looking for him. Killed himself. I was, I was just with him. I was the last person with him. I was like, Andre Waters, same thing. I had a conversation. We had lunch. And a week later, and it just, you know, a game does 
So when Jason Kelsey talks like this about the game, just because sometimes you see these guys happy, a lot of the things inside, man, it's not what it is. <laughs> Don't believe what you see on the outside. That game takes its toll on you. Look, I played seven years of pro ball. And as LJ will tell you, I failed miserably as an NFL guy, but I still played seven years of pro ball. I don't have three hours of sleep in my life at one time or more. I get up every three hours, shoulder, arm, knee, broken every foot, hand, everything. Would you do it again? Absolutely. This is part of it. Okay? Part of it. Hey, man. Hey, Philly, that's more true than you know. Andre Waters didn't have a very big, um, like, you couldn't goof around with him. You know what I'm saying? Like, you couldn't make fun of something because he would think you were attacking him. What What do you mean? You're like, you know, certain guys you don't do that shit to. He's one of them. He couldn't, you couldn't, like, you knew not to, I'll say it, you knew not to f with him. You just you just knew not to do that because he could he would love you, still throw hands at you, and hug you later, start crying. He's a really wild dude, man. I loved him to death. I absolutely did. Andre Waters was a maniac, man. But I dug him. He was a just an eccentric dude. Okay, an eccentric dude, man. So what the Cosmo goes, the decision you'd make. I, I I would I would if he's healthy, I'd bring him back. I'd bring him back if he's healthy. You know, CTE's a horrible thing, man. I told you before about the the um junior Seau. Hey, brother, how you doing? This guy was psychotic too, man. So he plays with the Dolphins and Dave wants that. Dave wants that. Goes, hey, Junior Sale wants to meet you. I'm like, all right. Dan, can you get me into Miami Complex? Sure, let's go over there. So I take him over. Dan, can you get me to meet uh, Pat Riley? Let's go see Pat. We go see Pat. Hey, can you get me over to the Panthers? And he would do these things. And you know what he did to me one time? Sale gets me into this. What is that thing, the miracle where, where like the kids got like three years or three months to live? And I didn't know it. This kid was such a great kid. What's that thing called? He got me involved in this. And I was so like, I didn't know what the hell it was it was about. And it was, this kid had three months to live. And Make-A-Wish, thank you, Yale. It was a Make-A-Wish Foundation. I had no idea what a Make-A-Wish Foundation was. And we got this kid. We're taking him around. We're going, like, to Dolphins. We're taking him over to see uh, Dave and all the Miami Dolphin guys, taking him to the Canes. We took him everywhere. I talked to Junior Seau, like, about a month later. I go, hey, man, how's Steve doing? Oh, he passed away. I'm like, what? He goes, don't you know what Make-A-Wish Foundation is? It's to give last wish to a kid and a dying kid. Don't have me do that again. I 
I could not believe I was so devastated. I couldn't believe it. That I mean, kudos to you guys. And he did that stuff and he was such a great. And then when his mom called and all those guys told me that he had shot himself. CTE, man. And that's what Jason Kelsey's talking about. He doesn't want to be that guy. Okay? Like, when Daryl Talley called me, he was in tears. Sills, we lost Seau. I'm like, what? I just talked to him. He used to play the bongos. And he used to do this. Hey, brother. And I used to, we used to always tell him, stop playing the bongo. Stop playing the banjo. You're not good at it. And he'd be like, hello, brother. Hello, brother. And we're going like, dude, suck. You suck at this. <laughs> Funny dude, man. Funny dude. All right. We're going to reset. Want you to hit the like button. Power hour coming up. Tomorrow, I believe we are getting Craig Carton on. Craig told me he's either Thursday or Friday. Um, I know for a fact that Mike Gullick, he just texted me. He is also coming on. He's, everybody's at the combines right now. That's why it's been light on guests a little bit. You know me, Vic Sills, sitting there trolling around all day long. So we were glad to get Tom Thayer on early. So we're going to do that. Also, Jared Bell from USA Today is going to be with us on Friday. So we will talk with him. Power hour coming up. Please hit the like button. We will reset. Keep it here, National Football Show. bubbly go for the story and the stories go for the win go to ocean casino resort book your trip at theoceanac.com Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money 
in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles Big Sales National Football Show Some of that interview Or Q&A down at the Combines in Indianapolis yesterday Some other things that I took away from that Please hit the like button, I appreciate it how he loves Kirby Smart. Okay. Let's see how many great defensive football players that George has put into the NFL. Roquan Smith and who? Hmm. Can you guys help me out here? How many great defensive football players has Georgia put in the NFL that were all pro top flight players, Roquan Smith. Okay. Who else? Any edge rushers? Any corners? One linebacker? Why do you love Georgia so much? They don't produce NFL defensive talent. He, you know, he said it too, that he's a Kirby Smart fan. Why would you be a, a Kirby Smart fan when Georgia doesn't produce NFL all pros? I'm talking, he did not produce Champ Bailey. Rico, he didn't produce Champ Bailey. Mark Rick did. Okay. Mark Rick did. Eric Berry. You're talking about 25 years ago. 20 years ago. Who has Kirby Smart at Georgia put into the NFL defensively? That's an all pro. That's the question. Not what Georgia's done. What Kirby Smart has done. Barry went to Tennessee. You're right. He's a vol. Good call, Griffin. He's a vol. Again, follow along. What defensive player outside of Roquan Smith has Kirby Smart put in the NFL? Name me one outside of Roquan Smith. That was the question. You got four players from Georgia. There's not four all pros that he's put into the pros. Why are you falling in love with it? Because you fall in love with college winning? Just because you produce college wins doesn't mean you're going to produce college pro bowlers or NFL pro bowlers. That guy doesn't produce NFL talent on defense. 
or superstar NFL talent. Has he? I've got to be. Nick Chubb, is he a Georgia guy? Okay, there's two. Is 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 Chubb is Chubb a um George? Did he play for Kirby? Or I believe he's a Kirby guy. I think he's a I think he's a Kirby guy. Matt, absolutely, Jalen Carter has a chance. Absolutely. Okay. Here's the point. We're not talking about a factory of defensive football players. How many, hey, how many years has Kirby Smart been in Athens? Xander, do you know that? How many years has he been there in Athens? Is it seven? Could it be more than seven years that he's been there? Trayvon Walker, that guy's all pro. There's a great point by Yale. I'd rather have Howie draft from Georgia and Alabama than any other place. There's a point to what he's saying. You know why? The chances of landing on those guys um, are stronger than landing on a guy from Toledo. You know, LJ, do, do you want decent players or do you want good ball players? Like, Right now, Jordan Davis is a decent player. He's not a great player. He's a decent player. He's only given you eight games of really good ball. The rest of them have been below average or mediocre. Okay? It, this all goes back to when we started the program. Do you trust... Ro- do you trust Roseman this offseason to rebuild the team? Did you hear that snide remark he made also when asked a question about Vic Fangio? Oh, by the way, I want to hit on something that Tom Thayer said about Vic Fangio and the firing of Sean Desai. Xander, I thought that was a great soundbite. Vic Fangio and Desai goes, why'd you fire him to hire the same thing? Doesn't make sense. It didn't make sense to me. You hired the same guy to do the same things that you did last year. What's the point? It's a great comment. I asked Tom Thayer, who was on in the last hour, the question of um, what do you take Vic Fangio? He got a little animated by it too. He goes, so you fire Sean Desai when he was 10 and one. And then you turn around and hire Sean Desai 2.0 and Vic Fangio. Is it really an upgrade? He did. And, and did you hear what he said too? If John Harbaugh or Jim Harbaugh had gotten a job a couple of weeks earlier, a couple of days earlier, Fangio might have went with Harbaugh to the Chargers because they had a relationship in San Francisco. So Desai was a a complete guy who worked under Vic. And he said, look, you know, 
They were 10 and one when they fired him or 10 and two when they fired him. The thing went to hell. So you fired a 10 and two defensive coordinator. How does that make sense? You were 10 and two when he was fired. And then the decision you make, you went one and seven. How do you know? And and then you had layup games, supposedly Giants, Seahawks, Cardinals. And the whole thing fell off the table. You're going to do the same thing you did last year. How confident again are you in Vic? Guys, it's an upgrade in experience for sure. But you're doing the same stuff you did a year ago. So did the Eagles really pivot in any way? And he said something at the press conference. Because Vic's experience, this was the question or asking Howie this. And I thought it was kind of a weird takeaway. But then he said I was kidding. He goes like this. The question was, hey, now that Vic is the offense, uh, defensive coordinator and he's got all this experience, does that mean he'll have more say in the direction of the defense? You know what Howie said? I think he likes to think that. I'm kidding. I don't think he's kidding. I don't think very much has changed. Those people in the Philadelphia Eagle management group don't think they did anything wrong except hire an inexperienced coordinator and that that talent on that team is good in a Super Bowl. They think they have a Super Bowl. If I asked Howie and I was ever given an opportunity to ask him a question, he would tell you that he thinks he has a Super Bowl roster. Just by the way he has spoke publicly the two times that he's had a chance to talk. He believes in his linebackers. And he said that he had great young talent. Shit, man. We all, we all went over this in the first hour. He's got C-plus talent on that team. He doesn't have Super Bowl talent. And clearly, get this. If we just cut it down to defense, let's do that. We, you know, we cut down. We, we, we wrote down 24 players that were on the team. Let me go defensively here. Because we put some of the offensive guys in there. Let me go here. This guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. Eli Ricks, Ringo, Smith, Milton, Carter. Okay. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You got 11 players on the Eagle roster, on defense. That's 25 and younger. The grades get worse overall. Reed Blankenship, C. Sidney Brown, C minus. Jordan Davis, C. Dakobe Dean, F. Eli Rick, C. Kelly Ringo, C+. Plus. Nolan Smith, D+. Plus. Milton Williams, B+. Plus. Jalen Carter, A-. Minus. I mean, you don't have a good core group of players on defense. What is he talking about? He is overvaluing his players again because of what he does. And that's why the, dis- 
It's not a disconnect. It's a belief. That's why when Nick says, we're going to play the best players available to give us the best chance to win, and he turns around and says, we got to play some of our younger players. Well, what do you think works? What's going to happen? When, when he's, he's still, nothing has changed, is my point. Nothing has changed. The same philosophy that they had last year and the year before is going forward. I'm learning a lot more about how they operate these last three weeks. They don't believe that that meltdown has anything to do with their fundamental culture. He says they have a fabulous culture, okay? He may believe that. A couple Super Bowls in the last six years, fantastic. He's right to think that. His draft picks have not been great at all. He's hit or miss on free agency. He kind of got the quarterback right right now. But at the end of the day, when he looks and he talks, they believe really that they're fundamentally – they think they're better than they are. And I'm not, gonna, I'm not talking about the players. I'm talking about the scouting department. They just think they're better than what they have produced. Dave, Dave, Dave most of the grades came from you guys. How how he says he wished he played younger players more? They weren't ready. Why would you? So you're going to put Nolan Smith in the game, and you know he's not good. Do you really believe how he wants to put a guy in a, in a football game to make him look awful, dude? When Jalen Carter, when he got into the game, you were like, damn. Nolan Smith, when he got into the game, you went, damn, not good. Okay. I just, I mean, I'm I'm watching that interview. He believes that that roster is a Super Bowl roster. I'm not with him on that. Nolan Smith needs coaching. I think he needs a bag of donuts. That dude's not very big. He gets dishragged and tossed around. He's not very stout. Like he's not like he doesn't have a lot of sand in his ass. This guy needs some bricks or something, man. He's just he gets thrown around a lot. How he wasn't calling the personnel shots on the field. I don't believe that. I think how he gives them a list like he gave Doug. On players to play, and they go off that list. Okay, could here. Yell says how he wasn't calling personnel shots. Okay, so Yale, with that fundamental thinking, what you just said there is that Nick Sirianni played Jordan Davis over Milton Williams because. Jordan Davis was playing better or court. I mean, uh, Jordan Davis was playing better than Milton Williams and he wasn't numerous people that covered this game a long time. were saying he shouldn't even be wearing an Eagle uniform. Who made that call a coach or a personnel guy because they drafted him in the first round. Coaches are going to play the best players. If they're given the autonomy to play the best players, if they're not given the autonomy, they're going to play the draft picks. 
And it's been a standard operating procedure. No way. No way. The personnel department did not. The personnel department made that call. You don't. Jordan Davis should have been deactivated the last six games of the year because of his poor effort. How about this? He should have been fined for loafing. He should have been fined. That guy was loafing. Just saying, man. Here, here's something else he said. And again, this goes back to the commitment of of how they're operating here. Let me, and we did this in the first hour, and I'm going to reset this here. I want to show you the difference in negotiating for Howie and how he does his business. By the way, again, constructing deals, he's great. And now look, let's, let's be fair to everything here. How many great general managers are great like Ozzie Newsome? Not many. But I want a football GM, not a bookworm GM. I don't want a librarian. I want a football guy being my general manager. And I'll have a cap guy deal with the cap. I That, to me, is the perfect scenario in Philly. Get a football GM like John Dorsey. Now, John Dorsey's probably too much for them because of his bedside manner. He's not very good with bedside manner. But he's a great personnel guy. He was telling everybody to kiss his ass on Mahomes. Nobody believed him. Do you understand that? Nobody believed that Mahomes was the guy over Deshaun Watson. Nobody did. But he did. He was the guy. That convinced Andy. Andy Reid didn't know Patrick Mahomes. Had no idea who he was. He had no idea. You think Andy Reid knows who Patrick Mahomes throwing the football in Lubbock? You think he had any idea who he was? John, John Dorsey went to him. I think personally there was a power struggle in that building too. John was a dick. And always been. He's a Connecticut guy. I know him. He 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 can be an asshole. Okay, not I I understand that he was an asshole in Cleveland. I booted his ass there. He built that Cleveland defense. He built that Cleveland offense. He was the guy that built the Browns into a playoff team. So he built he gave Kansas City Mahomes and he built a playoff team in Cleveland. You tell me that guy's not a good personnel guy. And shit, I don't. I, I would have to say that he probably had something to do with Jalen Hurts coming to um, Philadelphia because he was in Philly before he went to Kansas City. No, before he went to Cleveland, I think it was. He was helping out in um, Philadelphia. John Dorsey is a great personnel guy. How oh, he's not. He's just not. I mean, get this. You know the guy, um, what's his name, Miles Garrett? Miles Garrett's an AM guy. So he goes down there. And Alonzo Heisman told me what John Dorsey said to him. Because he was in Cleveland. Alonzo was in Cleveland at the time that they drafted Miles Garrett. 
he goes, you know, Miles Garrett said, you know, I like playing, you know, I'm trying to learn how to play the violin. You know, I'm going to be like um, some sort of like accountant kind of guy when he's done with his career, something like that in banking or something, you know, in football, I, you know, I'm, I'm not really in love with it. You know, I like the game a lot. Dorsey's like this to him. He goes, am I going to get your max effort? And Miles Garrett goes, of course. He goes, I'm taking you first pick. Our first draft, first round, I'm taking you. I don't care about any of this. Everyone was like, geez, he doesn't love the game. And then he goes, I don't care what that guy says. The guy's the best player in the draft. I'm taking him. The guy was talking shit. He's like, I don't care what he said. I'm taking him. I don't care. Okay. That's a good question. I'll have to ask John when he was in the building, did he like Rager or did he like Jefferson? I'll ask him that question. Hmm. Ooh, that could be juicy tomorrow, Xander. Maybe I get John Dorsey. If I find out that he said you should pick Jefferson, you I can guarantee you he'll be a guest on the program. Oh man, we'll get calls on that one. You got John Dorsey on talking on you in the Billy Gibbons secrets on you. Yeah, I'll be doing that one. We'll be getting a lot of calls after the carton visit tomorrow. I can guarantee you that one. Mahomes was a diamond in the rough. That's your job, dude, being a general manager to find those guys like that. That's your job. That's what you're paid to do. That's your gig. So here, let's go here. Oh, no, I'm, I'm with you, Twiz. I want to find that out. Well, if, if John said that I wanted Rager, I'm going to go, eh, you know, I've been tooting your horn and you took Rager too? <laughs> hey, it doesn't help me there, Twiz. Okay? That, that's not helping big sales, you know what I'm saying? So, um, here, here. Nick Sirianni was asked a question on Hertz's leadership. Hold on here. I haven't heard this guy in a bit. Well, that's disappointment. Hmm. And yeah. Yeah, my bosses at NBC saying I can't come on your show anymore. And certain people are pissed. Be careful. I'm not going to say. Let me, let me, let me type this to, um, to Xander here.
Excuse me, guys. <clears throat> I just would like to tell you guys one thing. It's working. Thank you. It's working. And here's why it's working. Don't worry, Xander. I promise, Xander, I promised you, okay? Um, sabotaging is going on now. And it's because of you guys. And I want to thank you very much. I don't know how this is going to play out. But this has been a battle my entire 30 years. It's never been anything that I've really said by accident. It's always been because of what Xander said, how I've delivered my content. Haven't lost the friendship, but... I'm not going to, senor. I will not. I promised Xander and Big Joe. Remember what I told you the other day, Xander, about people, you know, going around the room? Man. Death Row. Dan, you're a great dude. The world doesn't like the truth. You can't be more. I'm a little bit hurt here right now. I won't lie to you. A little disappointed. A little disappointed. <laughs> Never change, Seals. You're a rare thoroughbred. I hate you bashing my birds, but I need to hear you. I need to hear. Hey, Twiz, we have a love-hate relationship. Do we or do we not? Apparently, John Dorsey works with the Lions. Look at their drafts. No, it, uh, dude, Brad Holmes is doing a great job up there. He's absolutely doing a great job. Okay? Dave says, Sills, I don't always agree with you with your eagle opinions, but if your job to speak the truth to the airwaves, you know, I don't know if it's, you know, you know what, Dave, I don't really know if it's the truth more so that it's the way I see it. That doesn't always mean it's right. But the problem that I have is 
that people get so butthurt on what I say that they'll come up with some sort of narrative by calling me a racist or a, um, a homophobe or anti-Semitic or what have you, whatever. They'll come up with anything I don't need just to like shake people up just because of the way I do my show. I don't get it. What's your problem? What's your fear? Why do you fear it so? Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I won't lie to you. It's from somebody I respect and love. We don't always agree, Sills, but that's why the show is interesting and interactive. Maybe, Sills, in the future, you can make it a way to be able to. Oh, my God. Hey, Denny, once the technology catches up and we can talk to one another, Xander will have an, a gargantuan job in controlling you guys. The only thing that doesn't have this thing sounding like my grandfather's dinner table is because it's the only person talking in the room is me. Can you imagine if we had all you guys in here? It would sound like a dinner table at the Krauses or the Cilios. Yeah, maybe, Anthony, that's probably the problem. I'm too raw. That's how I was raised. My grandpa was either black or white. There was no gray area on a topic. You're either wrong or you're right. My aunt will tell you that. <laughs> Yell goes, Sills, it's better this way for you. Okay? Shepard says, Sills, keep doing your doing. They want to control your narrative, but the narrative of your book. My friends got heat for me and have nothing to do with our network. People pressuring him because of me. I better behave. What a frightening world. What a frightening world. Hey, maybe it... What a, what a frightening world to live in when you got people like this doing this shit. And Xander wonders sometimes why I lose my shit. It's never ending. Let me get to let me get to another topic. Let me get out of that. You got that right. <clears throat> Cuz they can't attack you so they go after the ones around you. Yeah. I, you know what though? I will say this to you. I think it's a testament to you guys. You see, when they see 
Xander posted that with James. That one thing about AJ Owens. And it's gotten over. What is it at now, Xander? And see, when they see that, that half a million Eagle fans have checked that bite out, it scares them. That's just two minutes of my show. That's not really my content. What is it now? It's 501,000 people have checked out a two and a half minute or a two minute 12 bite from my show. More people have watched that than the entire interview or listened to the interview itself of Owens on WIP. Yale, get this though. Yale goes like this. You get attention. You know what's crazy, Yale? I thought being on YouTube, a cat can start a YouTube channel. My my two cats can start a YouTube channel. I, I, I mean, I really did. And I'm not talking about Jacob. I'm talking about, so you go after a dude on a YouTube channel. No, LJ, no way, no way. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. No way. I don't want any of that. (laughs) Look at Anthony. Anthony, you want to hear one of the most obnoxious things my wife said that was ever said to me? Okay, I had a guy, Mike Shepard, who was my program director in Southern California when I was on Mighty 1090. My program director goes, you're like Trump, Cilio. You know, things you say on the air, you come up with these names. You do all this stuff. I'm like, my my wife goes like this. Don't you ever call him that again. <laughs> my wife got so pissed off. She was so angry, dude. <laughs> um, we need Sills. We need the Sills Army to stand strong. That's right. Sills merch coming soon. Oh, I would love that. Absolutely. Guys, I'll try to be as vague and then I'm going to move on. There's people in my business in Philadelphia, in the media business, that have been told, certain folks, certain around IP, NBC, Sports Philly, that bosses have told them they can't come on this program anymore because of my takes and that certain people are pressuring them. That's a merit badge. That's a merit badge. Do you have the backbone to hang in with me? Do you guys have, yeah, John, do you have the backbone to hang in with me? (laughs) It's not Mike Gullick. Mike's coming on. It's not Mike Gullick. I think he works for DraftKings now. Yeah, it's not Mike Gullick, dude. It's not. Cart, thank you. Are you? Can you hang in with me? I'll tell you this. I give it to the Krauses, man. They're under pressure too. And I, and I don't help. Okay? But they know what they got into. 
That's right, L. Look at LJ. He gives me more. LJ gives me more shit than anybody on a daily basis. Okay, more shit than my wife. Well, LJ, I won't put you in that. She's Hall of Fame. You're kind of like there. Good for you, man. Still start a channel. I did. It's right here. Okay. I helped grow this bitch. I have a channel. I started one. It's here. You think I'm going back to 200 views? <laughs> Xander goes, we got to change this up. Or this ain't working. <laughs> yeah, hey, hey, dude, honest to God, we're getting all these superstar guests on back in the day. Xander goes, we got to do something here because 106 views on a show for two hours, kid. That ain't going to work here. And we go, dude, overnight, right, Xander? Overnight, the whole thing changed. Once we started interacting with you guys. Okay? Yeah, we were putting everyone on. Xander's like, I can't believe this shit doesn't get any traction. I learned a lesson. It's you. It's you. It's not the guest. It's you and me, actually. Do both? Yeah, hey, you may think that's easy. I got a personal YouTube channel, Big Seals TV. You know what Xander says to me? How's that coming? 481 subscriptions and hanging in there. How long have you been there? About a year. <laughs> ain't that easy. <laughs> hey, ain't that easy. It's not that easy, man. Okay? It, it's not what you think it is. Hey, so you're on the, yeah, okay, yeah, all right, sure. Sales, <laughs> we're going to storm the Capitol. I don't think you need to storm the Capitol. I have another place you might want to storm, but I'll leave it out alone. Seals, can you do this on your own? I don't want to do this on my own. You know why? I have people that are backing me. That's why Barkley doesn't leave Turner. The reason he doesn't leave Turner, you think if he goes to ESPN, Pat McAfee hates his job right now. And he makes $17 million a year. He hates his job at ESPN. Because every day they're giving him shit about what he's doing on the air. They put him on. Get this. They hate Pat McAfee so bad that they want to fire him, but they can't. You know why? He's got the most viewed show, the most interactive show on their network. And they can't get rid of them. They created a monster. They drop F-bombs on that thing on network television. I don't know how they get away with it. Okay. I have the stuff that they've done. I've never done in broadcasting. I've never done it. Plus it's Disney. You see what Elon Musk told him? It's cable. I get it. You're right, Matt. It's probably more of that than anything. Hey, uh, I can't wait to tell Angelo. You know, it's cool, but he does. I'm sorry I'm going on a rant here a little bit, but it's just a little shocking. Well, not really. I've dealt with it my whole career. He told me, he, he's, he's like this, he goes, Coming for you. 
can you hang it? Can you do it? I said, yeah. He goes, I'm here with you. He calls me every other day. Dude, watch your show every day. Thank you, Angelo. He's like, you're the last. That's <laughs> great ones. Like Jackie Gleason. Some of you don't even know who he is. It's okay. I get it. <clears throat> I guess Merrill Reese was threatened. To... Interesting. We had Merrill on last week. I wonder how far that's going to go, Daniel. It's a good one. That's right. He's the voice of the Eagles. That's probably going to be ending soon, too. Okay, it's probably. Yep. Nothing like cabin. You see, you know what they can't do? Krauses won't bend. They're forcing them. Charlie says, dude, you've got nothing to worry about. Very entertaining, refreshing all the time. That's why we watch. Merrill doesn't have a boss. Hey, unless you own your own tree's nest or your own um, tree house, everyone's got a boss. <laughs> okay? Everyone's got a boss. They want the crown sales. The crazy thing is you're only trying to keep help these people you talk about. It's called constructive criticism. Didn't you hear what Missinelli and Angelo said? You can't criticize the Eagles. They don't like it. They want you and have the same mentality as A.J. Brown. If you cover the team... You should be rooting for the team. And if you're not, you're not on WIP. And if you're on another network, they'll threaten you. That's my opinion. No one else's. I'm, I'm not going to go on a tangent about them because it's all good. That's what it is. Bucks did the same shit to me. <clears throat> Griffin, I'm glad Dan doesn't just tippy toe across the line. He marches right over the fucking day. <laughs> the first time I heard something like that <clears throat> was when. Oh, and by the way, when I take the time out here in a couple minutes, Xander, I'm gonna, I'm gonna text it to you. Okay. So is any updates on sports take? I, I don't handle that part of it. I know you, I see you guys talking about that guys. It's the business shows come and go. Mine has come and go. It's the business. Don't get bent out of it. it Philadelphia is you. It, hey, did you miss Josh Ennis? Did you miss Howard in the afternoons? Have you missed Angelo? 
in my business, everybody's replaceable. So don't get, don't get butthurt over that or worry about that stuff. Do you know how many shows get replaced on a daily basis in sports radio or sports broadcasting? Every day. It happens. Circumstances move the needle like that. It's the industry. It's, it's, it's nothing personal. <laughs> Dan was like, there's only one big sales. It's not personal. Look, I, I, look, look at here. Xander, me, Joe, everyone at this network. And I'll only, I'll end it after this. We all love tone. All. No bridges burned, no nothing. It's all good. It's part of it. There's no vindictive thing here. <laughs> Isn't it funny though? Other people get this. These guys are, it's a, it's a brand new business. Things happen. I know you all know this. <clears throat> Sales often replicated, but never duplicated. <laughs> um, hey man you guys have been great today especially after that thing here all right let me take a time out we'll close her up i want to say one more thing about hassan reddick also too something that sirianni said yesterday at the presser hit the like button keep it here national football show Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, 
Then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Big Sills. Craig Carton tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. That should be pretty interesting. Yes, sir. So, one thing I I do want to say here. um, So, watching the interview with Sirianni, and when he took his time, um, he said something when they asked about Jalen Hurts' leadership. He says, you know, not everybody is a vocal leader. It's true. I mean, when I looked at Derek Jeter, did I really think that he was the captain of the Yankees? I never looked at him as the captain of the Yankees. I looked at him as a guy who led by example. There's all forms of ways to do that. You don't have to be a rah-rah in your face, kick your ass kind of guy. And I and I, and I understand that. Okay? He says, you know, Jalen, he leads more by example. Does Jalen need to be a vocal leader? Okay. Does he need to be a vocal leader? No. He doesn't have to be a rah-rah guy. But what you don't want to have is what? You don't want to have his teammates taking advantage of him because he's not the vocal leader like AJ on the sidelines or anyone else that jumps in his ass like a coach. You don't want to take advantage of the fact that he's not a vocal leader. So the players around him have to respect him more. I think it's a lack of respect for Hurts by his teammates. And they see, you know what they're taking? They're taking empathy as a weakness. Empathy's not a weakness. Empathy's a skill set when used right. You can feel sorry for someone to a point. You could want them to do better, motivate them and help them. But when others around you see it as a weakness, those are the people that take advantage of it. People constantly take advantage of people with empathy. You feel sorry for this person. You, you want to help someone. You look at that as weakness. I look at that as strength, that someone would take time to want to help you. Or maybe lead in a different way. Okay? Or maybe lead just in a small different way. That's what you get there. So, again, we appreciate everybody coming aboard, like we say. Um, You guys got a lot of people on you. A lot of eyeballs on you right now. And I think it's a testament to what we've done here. 
people are afraid of the growth of the show. And it's 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 showing in their behavior. It's unbecoming, actually. It's unprofessional. You ask me. So we appreciate you. I want to tell you one more time from the bottom of my heart. From the Krauses, me, Jacob, thank you. Hit the like button, 2 to 6 tomorrow, and we'll see you on the flip side. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.